Okay, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Um, tonight's cheer was sponsored by Hannah Berman. This is in honor of her grandmother who had passed away just, uh, I think, last week. Um, Mimi Bas Rubin. May her neshama have a very, very great aliyah. And um, should be a schus for her soul. May she channel only a lot of look out for you, Hannah, and your family. And I uh, should know any more, uh, not such good news, only good news from now on and on onward. Bezos Hashem. Hashem, you should see her soon uh, down here. With uh, all 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 neshamas being restored down here to this world, where all souls rightfully belong in the physical world. Thanks for the dedication, and much bracha to you and your family, and all that you need, and all that you want. Um, also, the shiurim, the Thursday night classes, were all dedicated uh, a whole bunch of them by the Berlin family. May the Abish to best them with uh, only, only good and a good nechoidish and much, much simcha, much, much bracha. And there should only be good, good, good. Thank you. Okay. So tonight is Thursday night. I wasn't here and didn't give the class for, I think it was two weeks. Thursday, two Thursdays, so now we're hitting it, we'll go back, and we'll learn. Um, I do, I will admit, I got, um, I was pretty busy this week, and today I had uh, a nice long class. I give a class Thursdays, I should really make it public, because it's a shame not to have it public. I have to figure out how to make it public, because it's a Zoom class, but it's all, I can do it on YouTube. It's Hebrew, so it's hard for me a little bit, but yet, Baruch Hashem. So for the Hebrew-speaking community, I do a class every Thursday in Hebrew, and it takes a lot out of me. But in addition to that, today I did a fabringen for a bunch of shluchim, and that was also a couple of hours. And I was beyond exhausted, and I didn't get a chance to prepare for Thursday night, and it bothers me when that happens. That's why I make the confession at the beginning of the class. I didn't even, I mean, I was going to teach a mimer in Torah or regarding Amalek, uh, the, the, the eradication of Amalek, but I didn't feel up to teaching it. So we'll do it Bezos Hashem next week and also Purim Maimarim. So for now, for now, um, I just selected a mimer that I didn't teach. And it's the first time basically I'm looking at it. I just went through, I, I'm starting a little late because I was just trying to find the right thing to learn. Hold on one second, something fell down. So um, I selected a discourse from Tavshin Yud Zayin, 5717. That is 1950. It's 19. It's actually 1957. A mimer that the Rebbe said, Vayavah Moshe Betoicha Onon, This week is Pashas Mishpatim. In the bottom it says that this mimer is really a mimer from the Rebbe Rashab. It's really a mimer from the Rebbe Rishab, but I guess the Rebbe added a few little little notes in it. 
So again, I haven't learned it. I, I don't know where. Now, usually, the reason why I would rather teach a Maimah from the Rebbe Rashab than Terah Ur is because the style of the Rebbe Rashab and, and also of the Rebbe is a little more expansive than in Terah Ur. Terah Ur is very concentrated. You really should never teach without preparing. That's a general rule. And definitely not a Maimah Chasidis. But if I have no choice, the choice is not to teach, that's not a choice. Um, but sometimes it's, it, it's a little, the, the style is more expansive, so you can read it and, and learn it even, it's easier to learn without, without preparation. With the Rebbe, with the, with the Alter Rebbe, it's totally not, um, it could be much far more complicated. Okay, so let's go. This is the Mimer, and Hashem should help, we should... The main, when you learn a mimer, you realize that a mimer is, is not just a teaching, a mimer is a divine transmission. And you want the discourse to open up into our souls. That's, a, that's the objective. So may God help that it should. So let's read. This week in the end of the parsha, the end of Parshas Mishpatim, literally the last, I think it's the last pasuk in Parshas Mishpatim. It says that Moshe Rabbeinu ascends in heaven to be there for 40 days and 40 nights after the giving of the Torah to receive the luchos. Again, the Torah was given in front of all the Jewish people, the Ten Commandments, and then Moshe comes down on the mountain and he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. The sages say, and Rashi says, this cloud was like a smoke. It was like this smoking, the top of the mountain, there was this big heavy cloud of smoke. And so Rashi says it was like smoke. It doesn't say it was smoke, but it was like a smoke. A very dense fog. And Hashem made Moshe Rabbeinu a pathway in the fog. That means he walked into the cloud, it means there was a pathway, it was like a there was a trail into the fog. And like this, it would be too dark or too, uh, you know, um, his, his vision would be obscured, he wouldn't be able to walk, but Hashem opened it up for him. And this is derived, they learned this, Where do you see that when it says Moshe came, he came into the cloud, that it means that there was a pathway. Maybe he just went into the fog, without the fog. It's like when a plane goes through a cloud. There's no pathway for the plane in the cloud. It just goes through the cloud. A cloud is not uh, impassable. So why does Rashi say, for where do we take this idea that there was actually a path? Maybe he just went into the dark cloud and he was walking in the cloud. Um, but we learn it out too. We, we, we derive it from this that it says, The Jewish people came into the sea. Oh, now, when the Jewish people came into the sea by the splitting of the sea two weeks ago, Pasha's Bishalach, just like when they went into the sea, they went through a path. There it says specifically, it says, that the water was a, a, a wall on their right and on their left. When it says Moshe came into the cloud, so his coming into the cloud was through a path. Um, we need to understand Now again, Rashi doesn't bring this idea that we derive it from the Jewish people going through the, going into the sea. Rashi just brings the idea that it was a there was a shvil, there was a path. Um, however, the Gemara Masechtas Yuma, that's where this is in Masechtas Yuma, Daf Dalid, 
Ahmed Bey's, the Gemara derives it from that, um, from that thing. Tzadok love, we need to understand how we know. What is this idea of this cloud, that Moshe Rabbeinu went into a cloud? Since there was anyways a path, since it, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't go into the cloud, because the cloud parted. It was like a tunnel in the cloud. And Moshe Rabbeinu went into the tunnel, into the shvil, into the path, and came out So what is the effect of the cloud? If the cloud is a cloud, so I don't know what a cloud does. I don't know what a cloud does to a person. But whatever, I mean, a spiritual godly cloud. So you say that somehow when he goes into the cloud, the cloud kind of has some kind of an impact on his mind. I understand a human being is going to talk to God and spend 40 days and 40 nights and study like a chavrusa, a partner with Hashem. So obviously there has to be some kind of a um, purification, sublimation, even on a body like Moshe Rabbeinu. There has to be some. And you can say that the cloud had, did, did a, it was a kind of spiritual cloud that kind of, uh, you know, metamorphosized Moshe's body and elevated him. You also see the fact that Moshe was superhuman during that time, didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. A regular body can't survive. So somehow going into the cloud did some kind of a purification to him. But that would be true if he's actually in the cloud. But if there's a path anyway, so he's not in the cloud, meaning he's not, his body is not um, uh, submerged in a cloud. It's just the path that we understand. We also need to understand the, the connection between the splitting of the sea to Moshe Rabbeinu coming into the cloud. Because where do we derive it? From Kriyas Yamsuf. Now, in Torah, we know that when you derive one thing from something else, it's not just deriving. It's not like we learn. It means there's a deep connection between the two, the two in Yonim. That's why we derive one with the other. Yamsuf that the um, the pathway that was by the splitting of the sea, it, when you derive one thing from the other, it's not just a um, an educational kind of a derivative. You're deriving one in order to educate us. The reason why one is, why one is derived from the other is because one is actually created by the other. So from the from the from the pathway in the sea came the pathway in the cloud. One one actually stems from the other. That's why the sages learn out that from the shvil in the anon, from the path in the cloud. Um, I'm sorry, this that they learn out that the, the, the path was in the cloud is derived and taken from the path that was by Kriyas Yamsuf. So to understand this, we need a first first preface. We first have to understand the general theme of the giving of the Torah, which was through Moshe. Which for that sake, in order to receive the Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu came into the cloud. In other words, so we need to understand the relationship of the receiving of the Torah that came dafka through Moshe Rabbeinu. And somehow Moshe Rabbeinu was assisted by the cloud. It is stated in the Midrash, what is stated? And the Midrash states that Moshe Rabbeinu has a certain quality that he's the seventh. As we have a famous idea that Moshe Rabbeinu comes after a series, he's the seventh in line of a series of tzaddikim. 
a chain of tzaddikim, beginning with Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and then um, Levi. And Levi has a son, Kahos, and Kahos has a son, Amram, and Amram has a son, Moshe. So Moshe is the seventh tzaddik. And just like in the idea of the rekiim, rekiim is the sky or the firmament, that the rakia that's called Aravois is the seventh. Vuchaviv Mikulam. And that is the that is the most precious of all the firmaments. Like the, the, says, uh, the, the, the Midrash says that we find Kolashvi and Chavivin. All the seventh are special. Including and one of them is the the, 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 the different names for every firmament. The one called Aravois is the special one. As it says, Soilu I don't know the translation right now of the word Sailu, which is, uh, this is in Tehillim, Samaches. It's, it's the um, um, Psalm in Tehillim, it's the Perak in Tehillim that talks about the giving of the Torah. The sages learn out a lot of things about the giving of the Torah from that, from that um, Samaches. It's one of the longer Psalms. And over there it says, Sailu l'reiche barovis. Reiche barovis means to the one who rides, or the one who, yeah, the one who is, um, like, rochev means to ride on something. So the one who is rochev ba'arovis in the sky called arovis. Again, I don't know what soilu means. But the fact that it refers to Hashem as someone who is rochev ba'arovis, from there, the sages derived that Aravis is very special to God. Now, the same is also in our fathers. Avram Avinu is the first. And Moshe is the seventh. Number seven is always precious. And so it is also in the 13 Tikkunim which are referring to the 13, uh, you know, attributes of, of Keter, of the crown. So we have the 13, uh, Hashem, Hashem, Kerachum, Vachanan, and all that. Or Mikael Kalmoicha is one of the, the 13 Tikkunim. Shetikun Ashvi, who Tikkun Ve'emes, that the seventh uh, Tikkun is called, or maybe Hashem, Hashem, I think you start with Kale. Kale, Rachum, Vachanan. Erech Apayim, Verav Chesed. No, I think Erech is one, Apayim is the other. Rav Chesed, the Emes. There's different um, opinions in the Mekubalim, how you count the 13 uh, Dikunim. So the seventh one is, is the attribute of Emes. And Emes is precious, I guess, special. Even though all the tikkunim, every single one of them is true, you can't say Hashem is true. Nevertheless, in the tikkunim itself, in a tikkun ashvi, the seventh one, hubchenas emes is the idea of truth, and that's why the, the, the seventh is always precious. So Moshe Rabbeinu is the seventh, and because he was the seventh of a series of tzaddikim, the Torah was given through him. So again, 
Matan Torah had to be, the giving of the Torah had to be Dafke through Moshe. But Moshe could have had a lot of qualities. Maybe because he was the most humble of everybody. Maybe, I don't know, so many things. Why did Hashem, what's the idea that Moshe Rabbeinu was the one chosen to bring the Torah to the world? So the Medrash associates with the idea that Moshe is number seven. The Klolus Inya Bezeh, and the general idea in all of this is, the MS who Inyan Torah, that MS is Torah. Kemai Merazal ain't MS Ela Torah. The sages actually say there is no truth but Torah. Not just Torah is true. It's not, not. There's no other truth. Torah is truth. Ain't MS Ela Torah. V'zau Shem Moshe Shu Ashvi, and that is the reason that was again. So an MS is the third, is the seventh tikkun from the tikkunim. And Moshe Rabbeinu is the seventh of the tzaddikim. So if Moshe is the seventh of the tzaddikim, then he, is, then he corresponds to the, to the seventh tikkun, which is the tikkun of MS. And that's why we say, Taka, regarding Moshe, we say Moshe MS, Moshe is true. It's not chas v'shalom that Avram is not MS or Yitzchak is not MS. Just like it's not shaykh to say, God forbid that all the tikkunim are not emes. But still, amongst them, the truth of truth is in the seventh one, and that's why it's emes. So Moshe Rabbeinu, being that he's the seventh tzaddik, he is Moshe emes, he's, he's, he's true. And that's why he gives us the Torah, because Torah is also Torah's emes. Ain emes elo Torah. And this is the reason Moshe, which is the seventh, umidos and midas emes, and his midah is the midah of truth. Kemaimer, as the sages say, Maro emesro. It says, oh, Moshe Rabbeinu got scared, I think. It says, what did he see that threw him off? He saw truth. He saw Hashem's truth. Um, the fact that Moshe was shown truth is a sign that he has a shaykhist to it. You couldn't, wouldn't sh he has a relationship to it. If he wouldn't have a relationship, he wouldn't be shown it. And therefore, now we have a connection why the seventh one receives the Torah. In other words, the, the preciousness of number seven is that number seven is related to truth. So that's why Davkim, the Torah was given through Moshe Rabbeinu because uh, the Torah is Torah's emes. Shehi emes, it is truth. For behold, even though we find that the other four, all of our fathers, um, we're keeping the Torah even before it was given. So what are we saying that the Torah was given only through Moshe? We know that uh, they had access to the Torah before. Avram, Yitzhak, yeah, all, the, uh, all, the, all our fathers. Nevertheless, as the Midrash says, all the deeds of our forefathers was only a reach, it was only a scent. It wasn't, it wasn't the real, it didn't have the substance of the Torah. It was only a reach. What does that mean? If you have a perfume, the perfume is made up of a certain oil. But when you sniff it or smell it, you're not using up the bottle. You can have a bottle of perfume unless you put it on the body. But if you don't put it on the body, keep it in the bottle. You can smell it from today till tomorrow. You're not going to diminish and decrease any of the oil. Because it's not being consumed by smelling it. Why? Because a reach is just an espashtos. It's just a, a uh, like a ray. And just like the rays don't diminish the sun, 
the rays of the sun, a ray of light doesn't diminish the source. So to a scent, giving off a scent doesn't, is not diminishing the, the essence. Um, so that's what it says about the Ovos, that their Torah and their mitzvahs was only the rays of Torah. They were not, they did not, they were not able to take the essence of it. They smelled the perfume, but they didn't spritz the perfume. We, every time we do a mitzvah, we're actually taking the substance, we're taking the perfume itself. The source of the scent. Kedisa Medrash, as it says in Medrash, this is a Medrash, where? In Shira Shira. Reach shmanecha tovim. To the scent of your good oils. So the Medrash says, call ha-mitzvah that all the mitzvahs that our forefathers do, did was only a reach, was only a scent. Aval anu, but we, shemen turak shemecha. We, the oil itself, turak, is being emptied out. It's being poured. When you gave us the Torah, you, you actually took the essence of your oils and, and, and poured it over to us. It was emptied out from above and the Torah was given below. I know, now he explains the Kumayarech Pekashmi, it's just like a physical scent. If you take a tangerine, right, or an apple, or any, or a strawberry, whatever, whatever it is, or a lemon, and you smell it, or an esrog, that's a good smell, or I mean a boysum, or you take any other kind of, uh, of a fragrant, um, Substance, leaves, uh, other things that have uh, spice or something. By smelling it, you're not diminishing it. It's not being, as mentioned earlier, it's not being consumed through that. Through this, that you're sniffing it. And the reason for that is because scent is only an espastos, it's only a ray from, the, from it. It's not any, it doesn't even have one, it's not a little percent of it. It doesn't have anything of the substance, just... It's not the essence of it. So too was the actions of the fathers when they put on tefillin, or they wore tzitzis, or they kept Shabbos, or they honored their parents, or any of the mitzvah that they did. Whatever they were drawing down was only a ray. Which isn't the case with us. We empty out the oil itself. When we are doing mitzvahs after the Torah was given, and therefore our mitzvahs that we do is what? Um, is on a whole different level because we were commanded. When we're doing a mitzvah, the essence of the divine, which is the source of the mitzvah, is, is, is descending, is, is being downloaded to us, not just a ray of it. The oil that is being smelled, means to empty. That when you actually take the oil and you pour it from one bottle into a cup or from a bottle into something else, it's being lessened in its source. It's taken away from the source. It's leaving the source because it's not just a ray. When you're pouring it from vessel to vessel, the whole essential oils are being, are being um, sent down. So the same is also in the fulfillment of mitzvahs that is after the giving of the Torah. Through the fulfillment of the mitzvahs is being drawn the essence. And the reason of the matter is 
ראיתי שהעבודה סאוויס היה בכוח עצמם. העבודה של our forefathers was, why is that? Why is it that we're not greater than them, they are infinitely greater than us. So why is it that our actions have so much power and their actions are lacking? And the answer is, because when we're doing something, we're not doing it on our own volition. We're not the uh, inspiration. God is the inspiration. It's God's idea that we put on tefillin, not our idea. It's Hashem's uh, commandment that we keep Shabbos, not our, uh, uh, our innovation. Nothing is us innovating. It's not our inspiration. It's not our stimulation. Uh, a Jew is a Jew because God commands us, and that's why we're doing it. And therefore, since it's Hashem commanding, so then Hashem is stimulating the action. Hashem is stirring the action. And therefore, the, our actions have the power of the infinite, and therefore they can access the essence and draw it down. The forefathers were not commanded, so then it was a human endeavor. So as great as humans as they were, they were very, very, very sublime human beings, but there was still a limit to them because they're human, or, or they're creations, and so they're limited in that. They were not commanded, so they did not have that, that unique quality. And since their service was with their own power, even though in their own power, it was with the greatest devotion to the point of total self-sacrifice. was on the highest possible way. It was so pure, so holy, so selfless. It's, it's not, not, not possible anything higher. Just like Avram Avinu, who served God with love. It says by him, he continued all of his life to ascend to higher, higher levels of love. That's what it means. He was traveling to the south. South is chesed, which is love. He was going deeper in his love. He continued to ascend higher and higher in love. And so was also Yitzchak. Yitzchak's main occupation, was, which was his service to God, was digging wells. Which that idea of digging a well is to bring up the water from below upward, which the concept of that ascending energy is the serving of God through the attribute of Gevura, which Gevura is an ascending energy. His avoda was also with Mesiras Nefesh. It was with, you know, today, like we see, but that Kedas Yitzchak, he went on Mesiris Nefesh. It's a whole avod of elevating himself to God. Yaakov, the same was also Yaakov. Yaakov Avinu served God with the attribute of beauty, of Teferes, which is a harmony, which is a blend from Chesed and Gavura. What does it say by Yaakov? He took a stick of a... Um, is a um, chestnut, um, a, a, a tree, a branch from a chestnut, um, uh, what's it called again, a uh, tree. Lach, that was moist. Uh, Luz, an armoin. Um, I'm not sure if the, if the, if the, if the um, livne, the maka livne is the chestnut. One of them, I think maybe Luz is the chestnut. An armoin, different types of uh, sticks that Yaakov Avinu took. And when he was doing uh, that whole that whole thing with the sheep, he was trying to get the sheep to have uh, striped and speckles. So he was peeling them, a whole story. The Chashav Khan Kol Gimel Gavanim. But this verse, which is 
speaking about Yaakov's avoda, which seems to be just like a breeding tactic that Yaakov was doing, but that was infinitely higher and godlier than that. Well, what he was doing down here in the physical was just a little reflection of what he was affecting in the spiritual, what he was doing in the spiritual. Since Yaakov's service is a blend, it's teferis, and teferis is a synthesis between kindness and, and severity and gavura. It was because, it's because of that, so you can see that his makels that he was using, his sticks that we're using, is a blend of, of white, which is chesed, and red, which is gavura. And the integration of all the colors is indicative of the attribute of beauty. So this was their avoda. And, and again, he, he mentioned it by Avram and Yitzhak that it was to the very end. They, their service was, was, was limitless. And as much as a human being can be limitless, then he's reaching a point of total sacrifice. And it's interesting how he doesn't say it's by Yaakov, that Inyan of Mesiris Nefesh, but that was what he was saying earlier regarding to Avram and to Yitzchak, so it would apply to Yaakov as well. So even though now, oh, he, he, even though he didn't say it by Yaakov individually, he said it by Avram and by Yitzchak, now he includes it even by Yaakov. Even though their service was at the highest levels. Ube Mesiris Nefesh, and it was with selflessness, with sacrifice. Nevertheless, but it was still lacking. Why was it lacking? Because they were not commanded. So it was still a human action. They were not commanded. Therefore their actions did not possess the power of the commander. Their, their service was with their own power. And therefore their service, where every time man does something below to attract the divine, it accomplishes. God is very, very, very much engaged. And when any human being, any person, any being, reaches for Hashem, Hashem always reciprocates. So there, when they served God, definitely they evoked a divine response. However, within the divine, there's so many levels. And they only were able to attract the external of the divine, where God has a relationship to the creation. And that's called the root where the creation is sourced in God. That's a lower level of Hashem, where Hashem contracts Himself to be in some way connected to the finite. And that's where they were able to reach. That's called the source of creation within God. From that place, they were able to engage and draw down. They were only able to reach the source of the creations within God. Because a creation from within his own power, is only able to reach up to a source. The Gemara gives a proof to that. From here we see, the spring of Eitam, was its height from the, the floor of the Azara was 23 Amos. Because what happened was like this. They, they had a mikvah in the Azara. Where, one of the mikvahs. I think the, the mik, this mikvah was on top of the, of the entrance of the, I think it's the Shar Hamayim. One of the gates going into the Azara was Shar Hamayim. On top of the Shar Hamayim, that's where the water, they would bring the water in by Simchas Beis Shoshua by the libation, by the Sukkot festivities. On top of that, entranceway was a mikvah. 
the Kohen Gadol used that mikvah, the, the first mikvah that he toiled five times in Kippur. The other ones he was he toiled in the Azara on the top of the base Parva, but this one was on the top of the Sharamayim. So where they get the water? The water came from a special spring called Ain Eitam. Now the question is, how did the water get pumped up high? So somehow the Gemara says that the way the water worked was. The Gemara says that Ain Eitam, the spring is actually coming out from from a from a place on the mountain that is higher. That you see that there's a mount, there's a temple mount, and the, and the way the Beis Hamikdash was was built was like kind of in the slope or going from a lower point to a higher point. So the, the Gemara learns out that the point of, of emergence, the point of exit, where the spring is emerging from the, from, the, from the mountain, from the earth, was actually higher than where the floor of the courtyard was, 23 cubits higher. Why? Because since the waters, the water went down, but then it would go back up. It's like when you fill a, you fill a tube, so if the water is coming from such a height that the water can go down and go back up, but how high will it go? It will only go as high as its original starting point. It won't go higher than that. That's the idea. So the Gemara says, from this that we see, that the water was able to go up on top of the gate of the courtyard, entranceway. And the entranceway of the courtyard was 20 cubits tall. And the mikveh itself was three cubits. So the water went up three cubits above the wall. So it's 23 cubits. So you have to say that the spring, again, they didn't use a pump. So it was coming, it was coming um, you know, on its own. How can it go up so high? So you see from there that the spring was at that height. From there you see that something can only lift itself up to its own source. That's what we learn out in Hasidus, this idea. And therefore Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, since they were lifting themselves up through their own power, it can only go... To the, to the level from where they're sourced, not higher than that. Um, the shear, um, the, uh, the, the dimension of the mikveh that was on top of the gate of the Zaru, it was a cubit by a cubit long and wide, but its height was three amas. From here it is derived, that the spring was stationed 23 cubits above the floor of the Azar. Because if it would not have been, if the spring was not um, coming from such a high place, then the waters would not go up so high. I guess the Gemara is, is not learning that it was a miracle. Because it was a miracle. But they, this doesn't mention this as one of the miracles. And this was a natural phenomenon. And the waters can go up only... And the same, so this applies to what? To the work of the forefathers. Since the fathers, our forefathers, did what? Their service was on their own, which means they weren't commanded by God. So it did not have Hashem's power, it only had their power. So it was limited to how high it can reach. But this is the awesomeness of the fulfillment of mitzvahs that was given to us at the giving of the Torah to me and to you and to all of us, when we put on tefillin, when we keep Shabbos, when we say the grace after meals, birchas amazon, or any other mitzvah that we do, the mitzvahs that we do after the giving of the Torah, since we are commanded to do, 
Because the commandment, we have the power of the commander, we can, there's no limit. We can go higher than our source. It means we can go higher than the external of Hashem, in which what? Where God is like a, where Hashem lowers himself down to be a source for creation. We can reach to the very, Hashem's very, very inner, inner self, as he infinitely transcends creation. And from there, draw down. From there, we can download. And, what are we, and that's called the essence. Because the, the source of the creation is only a ray of God. As we see many times, we say Hashem didn't change in creation. And that's because the source of creation is only His speech, only external. Not Him. But, but, but we reach God Himself. Torah is one with God. And we reach the essence of it. And the reason we have the power to do that is because Hashem is empowering us. This is the newness. This is what was. The, this is the great deal. What's the big deal of the giving of the Torah? The big deal of it is that we can we can go infinitely higher. And this, who did who did this? Who enabled this to happen? Who, who brought us to this state? This was Moshe. So this was this came to us through Moshe Rabbein. Now this idea is illustrated in a conversation that Hashem has with Moshe. This itself, that Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu, hey, right now I'm going to take through you, we are going to go to an infinitely higher source than the forefathers. Where do we find that? Hashem said Moshe. To the forefathers I revealed myself only with the name Shakai, Shin Dalad Yud, which means Shaddai. It has a limit. That's, the, that's again, it's the same level that we spoke about earlier, the level in the divine in which already is a source for creation. But, but the name Yudke Vavke, which is my essential name, which is my meaning my true being, I did not reveal myself to them. I did not make known to them. Rashi, Rashi says, And that means that they were not privy to God's truth. And that's the idea. Array is not the truth, because it's not the real substance of it. The external level that's the source of creation is not the truth of him. Because he, 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 he channels himself down to that place. It's not who he really is essentially. It's like a person getting dressed up in a certain way. It's not your truth. Tell me who, come on, stop pretending. Tell me who you really are. Really is who you are essentially. So, um, um, so the other, Hashem says, I didn't, I never appeared to them. They never accessed my truth, who I truly am. Only a projection of me, but not my true being. But to you, Moshe, I want to give you my true being. That's emes. And that is because the name of Avaya, Yudke Vavke, that is God's essential name. This is who he is, not who he wants us to perceive him. He's not showing himself in a way that we can tolerate. It's, it's, it's who he truly is. That's, and that's why the name Yudke Vavke, its very name is saying what? Is indicating that he's beyond any description. Past, present, future, all the, all the same. He's above it all. But through Torah, we're not downloading Shakai or Kael or this name or that, Lokim. Through Torah, Torah is Torah Hashem, which, which name? Torah of Yud Kei Vav Kei, God Himself. And that's called truth. Which wasn't the Amshacha, the extension to the forefathers, it was from all the other names. All the other names are rooted only in the Rishimu. 
the Rishimu is as follows. Let me just give a little, uh, it's a Kabbalistic idea in which it describes that um, initially it says in, you know, this is the way Arizal discusses the story of creation, that initially God's infinite self or infinite light was filling all, all, all space. And then in order to make room for creation, Hashem withdraw and created this black hole, this void, this absence. And then into this black hole, this became the space of the creation. Hashem re-engaged. And how did he re-engage? By projecting a thin little ray of his infinite potential. And, but because it's only a thin ray, it ha it's limited. And through that, you know, when we say limited, we mean it's in within, it's, it's the source of limitation. And through that, he, 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 he creates uh, finite worlds. Fine, that's the idea. But it says an interesting idea that when he erased the light, when he withdraw the light, and he pulled back into himself, creating that void, that absence, that uh, that emptiness, um, the the there was still a tiny trace of the infinite light. Like when you erase something, when you take a, you write something, you erase something on a paper. There's little trace. If you're looking carefully, you can still see the trace of the writing. So it says that God left over a trace of the infinite in that space. And that design, the, the, the Rishimu, that's the uh, source of all the kalim, of the vessels and the containers that will later manifest in the process of creation and the whole divine scheme. So the source of the kalim is in the Rishimu. Which means that all the names of God, which the names is a keli, it's a container for the names of God are really rooted in the Rishimu. That's what he's saying. That the names of Hashem are rooted in the Rishimu, and meaning they're not touching the 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 essence of the Rishimu. Is a trace. Is only a ray. It's not. It's not the substance. The substance is what was taken away. So he's saying all the other names are only connected to the Rishimu. But Shem Havaya is rooted in past the Rishimu. The Havaya. Is dafka through Moshe Rabbeinu is nimshach the the light of Avaya, which the light of Avaya is related to the substance of the infinite light, not the trace that was left over, but the substance of the infinite light, which later is what shines into the darkness, which is that thin thread, even though it's a thread, but it's a thread of the infinity that was withdrawn. See, the quality of the Rishimu is that it's. It's what's left over from pre-tzimtzum. But, but it's only a ray. That's why it's a trace of it. The quality of the kav, the, the, the lacking of the kav, is that there was no, no light, and now it's, now it's a re-engagement. So there's a certain hefzik, a certain detachment. But the fact that it's a re-engagement of the original light is, is it's going back to what once was. But, whatever that means, again, this is not the, the time for this whole deep discussion over here, simply because right now it's not even in my head to, to explain that to you. But this is it's discussed in Hasidus in great length. But we get the idea that the Kav is related to the Orin Sof, that was the pure Orin Sof that's before the Tzimtzum. The light of the Kav, which is the essential light, which is one with the essence. Something that is compared to me. That's why it's called in the name of the Etzim. Okay. The Indians, uh, that's 
the Indian Zeshes. So that's the Gavaldikai, that's the awesomeness of the giving of the Torah. That by giving of the Torah, we can get to God Himself. And that's the MS, that's true. And that's and, 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 and it's related to number seven. Because seven, the tick, the seventh tikkun is MS. So Moshe is seven. The Indian Zeshes Chachas, the Matan Torah, and this idea that the novelty of the giving of the Torah is that through the mitzvahs that we fulfill these days, this is what brings us the drawing forth of the etzem of God. This is understood from the essential idea of Torah mitzvahs. In other words, by, by analyzing the essential concept of Torah and mitzvahs, we can see that, that our mitzvahs are very potent, very powerful. Um, the hine. How do we see it from the... In other words, this, in other words, when you're looking at a mitzvah, how do you know what the, what the spiritual um, 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 underpinnings of this mitzvah is? When we see physicality. We're not, we're not, how do we know the energy? How do we know the secret code behind the mitzvah? Okay, so we have some Kabbalistic concepts, but where do we know what the, what the... So, he says by you, there's something about the Torah mitzvahs that we do that they don't do, in which it is clearly demonstrated from that, that serves as proof, undeniable proof, that our mitzvahs are accessing the essence of the divine, not just the expansion of the divine. So the idea of Torah and mitzvahs, of Torah, of Torah study, and mitzvah observance and commandments, is that this serves as a bridge between the spiritual and the physical. Through a mitzvah, it, 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 it accomplishes an attachment the Gashmias and Ruchnias of the physical, spirit, and matter. Like this, without Torah, without mitzvahs, we are very physical, materialistic people. You introduce Torah and mitzvahs in a person's life, then you're introducing to them true spirituality. Which means that they are bonding with, uh, they're, 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 they're connecting. It's interesting, he's using Ruchnias, but it's really you're bonding with the divine. And here he's calling it Ruchnias. The Yeduah is known, Shechibur Gashmias for Ruchnias. It is known that the connection, the attachment of spirit and matter, physical and spiritual really have no, no bridge. The ability to bridge them and to connect them and unify them is only Hashem's, Hashem Himself is able to. It takes an infinite power to be able to unify spirit and matter. Dafka. That's called mafli lasos, the one who does wonders. We speak a lot that this year is shnas pilaot, pela wonder. The idea of real wonder, which we say in us, oisei pela, he does pela, he does a wonder. Who is the he? As he says over here, It's the power only of Hashem's very self. And that applies even to any f connection of physical and spiritual. Physical and spiritual are two worlds that don't cross over one over into the other. Two, they, the, the, uh, the science 
the rules and the regulations, the, the, um, the, the, uh, the rules that govern these two worlds are completely, completely different. They're opposite in their nature. And therefore, to connect the two, to attach the two, to fuse the two, doesn't work. That they exist in two different realms, spirit and matter. To fuse the two takes an, an omnipotent power, like it says regarding when we make the blessing, either in the morning or after we uh, use the facilities, we make a bracha called Asher Yotzar. At the end of the bracha, we say, he heals all flesh, and he does wonders. So the commentators explain, and it's brought in, I think in Shulchan Aruch, the explanation of the bracha. Now what does it mean he does wonder? He does, is that's referring to keeping the soul in the body. The soul is spirit, the body is physical. To keep a soul unified, and to create one unit between soul and body, which soul has nothing to do with body, and that soul can be and live and, 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 and become one entity with a body, it's an impossibility. Only the one who can do the impossible can do that. So, any kind of fusion of spirit and matter takes an, an infinite being, especially when we're talking about higher levels of spirituality and higher levels of spirituality and even higher. The more sublime you go, higher and higher and higher, the more distant, removed, and separated it is from the physical. And therefore, to merge it with the physical requires even what we might call a deeper power of the omnipotent. As he says, this is any type of connection between spirit and matter. Now in Torah and mitzvahs, which causes a bond between spirit and matter, it's not just a regular bond between spirit and matter. In spirituality itself, through doing a mitzvah, you're accessing in the realms of the spiritual, the highest of the high of the spiritual. But, and on the other hand, where are you connecting it to? to the lowest of the low of the material. Because in material, there's also different, different levels of material. There are certain material existences that are more refined, like for instance, ear or fire, a little more refined. And then there's material that is more chunky, thick, dense. When we're doing a mitzvah, we're connecting the brute physicality. We're taking a physical object, it could be totally inanimate, it could be just thick, dense physicality, and we're connecting it and merging it, and it's becoming one. Like, for example, oh, this week in the parsha, it's not this week in the parsha. The special reading that we're going to read, um, called Shkalim, is you give a cold coin, a coin that has a weight, a cold coin, money, a piece of metal. And what does it say? Hashem showed Moshe Rabbeinu a coin of fire, and Moshe Rabbeinu and, and Moshe was wondering how the but that, the coin of fire is the biggest chiddush. Fire, in this case, wasn't just fire. Fire, fire over here re, re, represented the, con, the concept of spirit. And over here, and not just spirit, but the divinity. Because Hashem is compared to fire. What does it have to do with the physical? That the physical becomes fire. 
That's the thing. The two become so fused, you can't, you don't know where one begins and the other ends. And over there you have this complete um, opposite. The highest of the high and the lowest of the low merge together. I think it's the Rebbe says elsewhere that it's the idea that it, it mentioned shekel. Shekel also means a weight. So the fact that something weighs is indicating the, the density of the physical. The more dense something is, the more it weighs. So shkalim and eish, two, two opposites. Which, and that's every mitzvah. This is what mitzvahs do. They cause an attachment. The tachlis aruchnius, the epitome of spirituality, im tachlis agashmis, with the epitome. So you, you're attaching from one extreme to the other extreme. You're not connecting just to the level of angelic holiness, angelic spirituality. You know, anybody that uh, studies a little bit Kabbalah or a little bit of Jewish mysticism knows that there's, the worlds are multi-layered and layers upon layers and on layers and it goes higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and endlessly higher. And when you're doing a mitzvah, you're capturing from above the, from the highest of the high. And it's becoming unified with, with the physical body and the physical object in which you're doing the mitzvah. And the two of them become married for life as a result of the mitzvah. So that takes an omnipotent power to do that. The power to, and, that, and we know that the forefathers didn't do that. Because in their mitzvahs, they, they, they didn't make the physical holy. That's what it says. So they, they couldn't attach it to the physical. And, and really on both ends they were lacking. They couldn't attach it to the physical. The physical remained mundane and unholy even though they did a mitzvah. And on the other hand, the levels of spirituality that they were reaching and accessing was not as high as where we go in our mitzvah. So the, 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 the unification was not from such an extreme to the other extreme, if there was a unification at all. So the ability to do that is only God himself can do that, because he's neither spiritual, neither physical, and he can combine both. That is the power of God's very essence himself. And the fact that our mitzvahs can do so, you see that our mitzvahs are empowered by the essence. And that's the meaning of its truth, the truth of God, the essence is the truth, who Hashem is essentially. And who is the person who can facilitate that truth? The seventh one, that's Moshe Rabbeinu, he's Atmos, he's Emes. And since this channel, this download of Matan Torah, that Moshe Rabbeinu drew down, since Moshe Rabbeinu was the one who delivered the divine all the way down into the physical world, as the Medrash states, that initially the primary residence of the Shekhinah of God when he created the world was in the low, in the physical. And through sin, the Shekhinah departed from the lower and he ascended upward. Until he went up to the seventh heaven. And then came the various different tzaddikim. And they began the process of restoring the Shekhinah back down to this world. Until Moshe Rabbeinu arrived, who is the seventh. And all the seven are special. And he brought the Shekhinah down into the world. So from this itself, from this itself, that what Moshe Rabbeinu, what Moshe downloaded, was bringing the Shekhinah back down into the physical world. 
שההמשך הזה הוא המשך הזה עצמס ממש. There is another proof that what Moshe Rabbeinu was drawing down is the hamshach of the essence itself. The imloi kein, if it wasn't the essence, lo yaya efshar liyos hamshach alamata mata biyoser. It would not be able, possible to bring God down, to bring it down so low. Kirakal yadei hamshach asatzmos. Only through tapping the essence, mamish nasa hachibur deruchni yisam gashmis. Only from the essence can you attach. Um, spirit and matter. And since Moshe Rabbeinu in Torah, not in the, in the earlier generations, Dafka Moshe, in other words, mystical spiritual unions and float in the heavens and do meditations and over there experience very high, um, 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 deep experiences, uh, you know, that's wonderful, that's great, but that's not the Chiddush of the giving of the Torah, that's not the Chiddush of the Jewish people. It doesn't take such power to do that. To encounter the divine through fasting and through abstraction and through deep meditation and 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 one, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, ascending from the, their physical condition and over there experiencing something. So number one, you're not experiencing God. You're experiencing some level of spirituality and and, and maybe you can yes experience some godliness, but not God Himself. The only way to experience God Himself is only in Torah and mitzvahs. But the beauty is, for that you don't have to ascend into a very high spiritual state. You can do it in the body, with the body, with the physical. And that's the Chiddush. And that can only come from the power of God Himself, of the essence. And through our avoda that we do in the physical world. And what does our avoda entail? Constantly subduing the other side. Because one of the beautiful um, experiences in the physical is that the physical is entrenched with the klippa, with the unholy. That's its territory. And therefore, every time we want to move around and fix and, 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 and realign the physical and do things with the physical, we're always going to experience resistance. This is the territory of the, uh, of the gangsters, you know. This is their domain. So um, that's why it involves... Every time to do a mitzvah, you have to overcome laziness and apathy and all the other stuff that the physical gives us. But when we do it and we subdue the other side, that's thrilling to God. We draw the essence of the Shekhinah, and the essence of the Shekhinah is Atzmus Mamish, the essence of Hashem, down here below. But now we get an idea, what's the Chiddush of Matan Torah? Where, where, where we, we, the, the novelty of Matan Torah is that Atzmos opened up, the essence of God opened up, Midasa Emes, Amitias Shali. Who is it coming through Moshe? And the, the quality of that is that when, when you tap the essence, that's when you can bring things down all the way, all the way, all the way into the low and attach the high and the low together. And that is just fantastic. Now this drawing down of the essence of Hashem that Moshe Rabbeinu drew down all the way into this lower world, his galusahu al yedei nishmas Yisrael. Its its revelation is through is through is through us is through the Jewish people. In other words, Moshe brought it to the world. Moshe brought it to the world. It was his power, but he needs the rest of the Jewish people to help shine it, to help reveal it. and this is what it says. And where do you see that? Where was it? Where did we actually experience in a vivid, um, 
um, in a vivid manner, in a conspicuous manner, the, the, the unification of Hashem and the world. In other words, God living in this world, in the Beis HaMikdash, where it says, Migdash, make for me a Beis HaMikdash, Vishachanti, and I will dwell. Who's responsible for the Shekhinah being down here in the world? And in this case, the Shekhinah means God's very essence. Moshe Rabbeinu. Because he's the one who brought the Shekhinah, took seven tzaddikim. He did it. But to reveal it, even after he did it by the giving of the Torah, it wasn't revealed. Where is the Shekhinah? Where? Oh, once they built the Mishkan, there you can see the cloud of God hovering. Literally, you saw a, phys- you saw a building, and on that building you saw Hashem. I mean, as much as Hashem was manifesting in a cloud, and that cloud was there. So you saw that bond, that connection. But Moshe didn't build the Mishkan. He commanded us to build the Mishkan. It was Hashem commanding Moshe to command the Jewish people. So we see from here that in order to uncover or to reveal uh, this, this, uh, this, this that Moshe Rabbeinu accomplished by being the seventh, took the work of the people. And the Moshe Rabbeinu drew down, down here into the lower world is Galusa. It's revelation. So the souls of the Jewish people. Masha Kaz is what it says. They should make for me a base amigdash for shachanti b'soicham, and this and I will dwell amongst them. And and when it says b'tocham b'toichay loy nemar ela b'tocham, it doesn't say in it. It says in them. B'toich kol echad vechad mi Yisrael that Hashem actually resides in every single one of us. Hainu shenish mas Yisrael. What does that mean? It means that the Jewish souls al yedei avidasam b'iskafya v'shapcha through our unique work in which we subdue our inclination, the unholy, the inside. We all have a piece of unholiness inside of us. And through our subduing of it, and our conversion of it, we become a migdash, we become a sanctuary for God. And in us, the main shechina resides. We're in our bodies. It is drawn in the Jewish people, the revelation of Shem Havaya. Which is Shema Vaya is God's essential name, which is ultimately referring to, to Hashem's very self. Omnam, however, However, this revelation of Shem Havaya that is uh, happens occurs through the Jewish souls. is not only in the neshama. In other words, it starts off in the soul. Bitocho inside you. So God dwells inside our neshama. But then after and through our soul, rather it then goes into actual, into the world. But rather this, this, this download, this drawing down, reaches the general world outside of, these, of our holy souls. First of all, it reaches our bodies as well. Then it reaches even the mundane physical world outside. That it stops being mundane. It becomes holy. And when this is accomplished, this causes the, the deepest satisfaction to God for which for this satisfaction God created the world. This fulfills the intention in all of creation. Then it's that Hashem had a desire, a, a, a very intense desire. To have a dwelling place in the world. Not in the world, in the lowest. This is the purpose of all of creation. To bring God down to dwell in this world. 
Ikemavur Bitanyan is explained in Tanya. Shaqavana Ainda Bishwil Ulam Salyanim. Tanya, the Alter Rebbe, turns the entire perspective of Judaism upside down. Until the Alter Rebbe came along, the main obsession of Jews was, was heaven. Just like you have in many, many uh, religions that they're obsessed with heaven. They don't care if this world turns into a hellish nightmare. As long as I'm doing good, I'm going to go to heaven and everybody else can whatever. Uh, in Judaism, the main thing is the remaking of this world. But you find in Jewish circles as well, many people are keep on talking about reward, olam haba, and so on and so forth. And it's a, a chabadnik, it's not that way, because we all know that the party is not up there. That's a, yeah, that's a temporary holding place. You know, once souls finish their job, they got to be kept somewhere. Got to keep. You have to be. You have to keep on preserving. You have to preserve them and then entertain them. So you entertain them. It's like a sideshow. It's like a pre-show. The real, the real, the real thing is going to happen down here. And that's so. That's the Alter Rebbe tells the Sava. He, he he emphasizes this idea that the Eberster's desire is to have a home in the physical in the physical world. And there he explains that the intention is not the higher worlds, not the sublime worlds of Gan Eden and all these experiences. Now, the ultimate intention, that there should be a dwelling place to God down here below. The British Tachtoinim, now when we say the low, it doesn't mean a low place, lower, lower, further down. God is not within the context of space at all. Like it says, space is canceled with me. Hashem says, space is with me. What does that mean? That Hashem is not, with, Hashem is not with, measured or contained or relate to space. And on the, on the opposite, space, all of space, higher and lower and all of that, is a non-entity by God. It's canceled to Him. So when we say He wants to live in the lower, what does that mean? Elopidish tachtoin is something that's low to God, even in God's eyes. Or else, and that's why He desires, He, he desires, a low, which means something that's low even in his, in, 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 in his reality. And that is as follows. What's called high? High means close to him. And low means far from him. Not in space, but meaning God wants to be in the place least likely that he can be. That's the idea. In the most challenging of place. The place that naturally is the most, is the least inclined to be a place for God, that's exactly what he wants. In other words, it's almost like he wants what he can't have. If it's low, it means it's not receptive to him. It's, 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 it's dense, it's thick, it's not, it's, and precisely because of that he wants it. Maybe that's where it comes from, that we want what we can't have. Because God wants what, we can, what he can't have. And, but because he's God, in the end he gets it. But how does he get it? Through us. We do the impossible by making the low into a home for him. The real meaning of Tachtonim is in level and, in, and in, on a level. Even in a place that's dark, God made it dark. A place where he has diminished his revelation. Diminished it so much that, no one, that, 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 this, that we don't feel him. And in the opposite, we feel all kinds of other stuff that are completely antithetical to God. And that's what we experience down here. So everybody that we're learning over here Thursday night, we're learning the mimer, we're learning a discourse, we're learning such godly teachings. But at the same time, we all know that five minutes later we can experience not the holiest of desires, wants, and things. And, 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 and so you wonder sometimes, what's the point? What's the point? If I'm full of all these ugly stuff, and I have all this chazerai going on in me, and around me, and, and, and sometimes it gets the better of me, so what's the point? And the answer is, 
The only reason it's interesting to God is precisely because five minutes later you want this and you want that and you're distracted. And, and you have to overcome and you have to subdue and you have to push away and this and that. So it's the place where he is the least likely for us to create him a home and yet we prevail and we create the home. For some reason which we can't explain, it's thrilling to him. That even in the place of darkness, we should subdue the satanic forces in this world, the dark stuff in this world. And then the conversion of the sitra achra. The because in truth, maybe the day is hapcha. In truth, even if we don't feel it, the constant um, overcoming of our of our Yetzirah, the evil inclination, or anything dark in this world, eventually, even if we don't see how it's possible, because it looks like it's a never-ending war, eventually it brings a conversion. That the darkness itself stops being dark, it, or the resistance stops resisting, it becomes an ally. You know, we're all hoping for that, because sometimes it's, it's, it's like impossible. But the Rebbe says that that's the way it will eventually be. It, it has to work. That's just the way, the way, the way, the way it's, it is. And through doing this, and this is where we're tapping God's very self. That means if we do not engage the lowest of the world, in other words, we choose to serve God by withdrawing inward to a very inner state in which, and we, we um, hide from the outside world. We go into a kind of re, into reclusion, I think that's the word, maybe it's not even a word. We go into a, a sublime place of purity and that's where we're kind of connecting to Hashem. It's wonderful, it's, 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 it's exhilarating, it's exciting because when you feel spirituality, it really tingles and enjoyable, but you should know one thing, you're not touching God. You're, you're, you're playing with rays, it's great. Rays are wonderful, they're tingling and they're sensational and they're exciting and if you're looking for that, go ahead. But if you want to have an encounter with God's very self, not with any of the, um, any of his uh, brilliant lights, but Hashem Himself, and you have to hear what He wants. You have to listen to what God wants. And God says, I want to live in your physical life. I want you to adhere to me, serve me, listen to me in the material. And, that's, and when we do that, that's when we're connecting to Hashem's very self. Now the good thing is that one day it will tingle as well. In other words, we're not forsaking the tingling. It will tingle, it will be sensational, it will be awesome, it will be beyond awesome when the lights turn on, and that's in the end, 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 which we're already holding by the end right now. And that's why by the Jewish people it says, for this reason that we become the, cha we become the dwelling place, that he dwells first in us and through us in the physical world, and this fulfills his, his, his desire, and that's why by the Jewish people it says, There's a pasuk that says three times that the Jewish people are heichal. They are the chamber for God. Because through our service, we draw into the world the very essence of God Himself. Here's a good question. Here's the million dollar question. It says that what? The Pesach says that God says, I fill the heaven and earth. Which means that that's, God fills the heaven and earth without us. He, he, there's no place that's void of Him. Through us, we make Him a home in this world. He, he, 
He is everywhere without us. He's present here without us. So how do we reconcile? It's true. But God's desire wasn't that he should be here in a way that is, remains completely, uh, where com- the world is completely oblivious to it. In other words, God being everywhere is, on, is, is something that, he, that, that is true from his end, but not our truth. And therefore, it's not something that the creations are aware of, and therefore, uh, that, that they, uh, it's not part of our existence. It's, it's God's truth. Hashem wants to be in us in a way that He's, he's there with us. He's living with us. So we're consciously aware that He's here. And that takes, that kind of presence in the world takes the work of Torah and Mitzvahs. Through our work of purifying the world, we make that his malay, that he fills this world, is in a way that it's actually being, becoming part of the creation. And he's a nasa and therefore it becomes revealed. And this, is, and this that the sages say in Zohar, that Hashem is grasping all worlds the laceman, the toughest bear, no one grasps him. And now we're saying that through Torah mitzvahs, we are going to grasp him. But we say that he grasps everyone, no one grasps him. We're saying now through a mitzvah, we are. He says, this is only that we don't grasp him in the sense that he should be in a state of tfisa, but doesn't mean that, meaning in a state of grasp, doesn't mean that he can't be revealed. There's a difference of grasping and revealed. A little child doesn't grasp, a little, little one-year-old doesn't grasp who their mother or father is. They don't grasp the person. But yet the father and mother is very much revealed to them without grasping. They don't have a grasp in them, but yet they're... So that's the idea, I think. I said, now going back, and this is what we mean that when the, our forefathers drew down the divine, they also were downloading. They were doing awesome stuff. But it was only a ray, veloy atzmos, but it wasn't the essence of God. Because the, in other words, the question is what is, as we're saying now, God, no matter what, he's everywhere. He's here. There's no place that he's not. So atzmos was here in the days of the forefathers as well. But in the level of giloy, revealing, engagement, was only the spherot, the attributes, the names of God. Hashem's personality traits was revealed through the Avais, not His very self. Our Avodah, since our Torah mitzvahs is after the giving of the Torah, empowered by God Himself, and, we, and it's, it's, it's reaching all the way into the physical. And, and remaking the physical, that's coming from God's very essence, and it's bringing about that the essence should be revealed. Avol nishmas Yisrael, but the souls of Israel, through the giving of the Torah, through our service after the giving of the Torah, we, drew, we draw down the essence that it should be revealed. Through this we fulfill the intention of all of creation, the dira betachtonim, that Hashem wants to have a dwelling place in the world. The Piddish Indian dira, and what does it mean? A home? A home is 
not a place where you just project yourself. You project yourself in front of an audience when you're going to speak. You want to give off a certain image, a certain persona. You project yourself when you're going to an interview, you're projecting yourself. When you're meeting and you're amongst people, you put up your, you're going to a wedding, you put up your best face. You're not comfortable in the sense that you're relaxed, you're just yourself. In your house, you're yourself. And that's the idea that God wants to have a home where he is with his full entirety and in a revealed way, because that's what a home is. A home is where you're revealed. If imagine if you're living in your house and some other people move into the house, and for some reason they're lacking the ability to, to, to see you. Imagine how frustrating that is. You're walking around your house, you're screaming, you're shouting, you're banging your screen, you're turning the thermostat one way, you're opening the windows, you're shutting the windows, you're opening the lights, you're shutting the lights. You're doing what you're doing, and there's a, there's a whole family living there, and they have no clue that you're there. Imagine being stuck. Imagine if a person can fall into, uh, God forbid, into this. I don't know, I'm just uh, following my, my, my silly fantasy over here. Imagine if that were the horror of that. Imagine in your house, a family moves in, and there's some kind of a spell that was placed, cast upon you, that you can't um, make your presence, even though you're the owner of the house, you built the house, you bought the house, everything, it's your house, and yet they are oblivious. The, the, those that are dwelling, they don't have no clue that you're there. You're shouting, you're screaming, you're, 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 you're doing what, and no one here, they... That, that's no good, right? It's frustrating. God, I don't want to say frustrated, but that same idea. He created the world. It's his home. But the, 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 the dwellers are oblivious. He wants the dwellers to welcome him. He wants to have a home. So, um, the, uh, the very essence of the person is in the house in a revealed way. The same as also above. The pirush of a home in the world. The essence should be revealed. For that you need Moshe Rabbeinu. He's the seventh. Only the seventh could accomplish that. And that's Moshe Rabbeinu then and Moshe Rabbeinu now. That's the seventh. The seventh happens to be the author of this discourse. The, uh, the Rebbe is the seventh of the tzaddikim. Oh wow, it's pretty long mimer. Let's see, I don't know if I'm going to get to the end tonight. Now, this Amshacha of Dira B'tachtainim is brought about through the Avod of Torah Mitzvahs. And even though it seems to have been stated earlier that what, 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 what causes God to manifest and reveal Himself in the lowest world, we mentioned earlier, is when you subdue the unholy. When you challenge the sitra achra, when you break the klipa, that means when we have, we deal with yetzahara, negative impulses and inclinations, and we do not give in to it, and we break the darkness, that's when we create the home for God. And now we're saying it's through Torah and mitzvah. So which one is it? Is it that not always is every Torah and mitzvah engaged with subduing the darkness? You can be inspired to do a mitzvah, you can... So he's going to explain. Kedisa betanya, as it says in Tanya, and he be'emes in truth, and it's not only with battling your demons um, are you doing iskafia, are you subduing and transforming. Yes, that, that happens a lot of times, not while you're doing Torah and mitzvahs. While you're actually just you know, going about your business that you need to survive, and during that time you ha we have all kinds of mishagas going on, and, and, and we stay clear and we try to stay focused. Yes, but when we're doing a learning Torah, we're doing a mitzvah, we're kind of in a more safe net. We're in a place where we're not so disturbed by the sitra achra. 
But he says, really, in all of Torah and mitzvahs, there is an element of iskafia, which means to subdue the unholy and ishapcha. Why? So, for definitely, in the in the in the range of mitzvahs that are the prohibitive commandments, there it's almost all the time associated with a sitra achra, with a with with an unholy experience. Because how do you fulfill a mitzvah of a no? You want to, and you say no. You want to eat something; it's not so kosher. You're not sure if it's kosher. And if you don't eat it, you're going to stay hungry and you're starving. And there's so many excuses being in your head that maybe you should eat because eh, it's probably just, uh, well, you give yourself a look. And then you're saying, you know what? You become very firm. You say, absolutely not. I'm going to be subdued. So the, you, you, you broke the klipa, right? Fine. And so is with all the other urges, desires, and wants that are, that if we give in to them, we would be in violation of a commandment. So we understand that the fulfillment of that in, involves a certain... Um, um, uh, a certain uh, rejection of the unholy. As the Rebbe brings, these are things in which, it's, it's a, he's quoting Maimonides, in which a person's soul, a person's uh, spirit, is, is inclined to these things, like uh, money and even stealing, as Rambam says, when being dishonest and theft, or um, forbidden relationships, Things like that. And when you're turning away from these things, it, it requires an enormous, an, an enormous, uh, an enormous um, strength to overcome one's desire. So that's for sure that in that range you're battling the dark forces. But also in positive commandments. It is known in the intention of a mitzvah, it is known that every mitzvah has a certain element of avoda. Avoda means service, which is, means it involves effort and a certain um, uh, compelling. For example, the mitzvah of the four minim, which one of them is the esrik. the second time we're mentioning esrik today in this year, because it occurred to me when we spoke about the fruit, I mentioned the esrik. Maybe the reason I, I mentioned the esrik, why was I mentioning the esrik? I could have spoken about so many fruit, because the mimer mentions the esrik, and could be that's the reason I smelled the esrik. I didn't smell it, but it came in. Okay, mitzvah just like in the mitzvah of the esrik. Esrik, Rosh So even though in the mitzvah of esrik is taking a fruit, it's beautiful mitzvah, it's sukkis. Got no Yitzhahara then. You know, it's right after Yom Kippur, it's Sukkot, you're taking, a, you're, just, you're just in an elated spiritual mood and you're picking up the Yitzhahara. What's the idea of overcoming the Yitzhahara? What is it? There's anything deep inside a person not to shake a Yitzhahara all day long? It's quite to the contrary. Sukkot, who doesn't want to shake an Yitzhahara? It's a beautiful mitzvah. Ah, but, but there's an element because Yitzhahara also has a, a spiritual idea behind it. So the Arizal says, it's a teaching of the Arizal, that esrog is a remedy or a um, exercise. A, by doing the esrog, it's a spiritual exercise to empower the person to overcome haughtiness. That's why esrog stands for al, it's alef taf reish gimel, which stands for al tevienu lidei regel gaiva. Don't bring me, it's a pasuk, it says, don't bring me to the foot to the, uh, of, of, of arrogance, of haughtiness. 
So you see, the mitzvah of Esrog involves a certain purification in the unholy. Because haughtiness, it's not, it's, it's, it's not, this, isn't, this is not in the realm of the Kedusha realm. In Kedusha, there's no haughtiness. It's in the unholy. And when we're, so, Okamoikana Esrog, and so too, um, another element where you see Esrog has the, has the quality, it's the anti-arrogance. Because you see, one of the qualities of an esrog is, in addition to the acronym of the word, which stands for Altivienu Regal Gaiva, but if that's the acronym, means that there's something about the esrog that displays an anti-arrogant uh, feature. What is it about it? But the esrog Dorbi Ilanoi Mishana Lashana. The esrog lives, one, it's the only fruit that hangs out in the tree the entire year. Other fruits have a season. Hasrog is there all the year long. What does that mean? My wife told me we, ha we have on our block, we have a buxer tree. And the reason why it's, uh, it's uh, I have a tree, that it's, <laughs> the reason she spoke to me today, because whenever you park the car underneath it, it drops the buxer. The buxer is, sits on the car, it's sticky, and, cr and if you leave it there, you don't remove it immediately, it literally ruins the paint, destroys the car. It's got some kind of a sap. And this tree drops. I keep on, I forget a lot of times. But now in the winter, it's not a problem because from around, uh, you know, uh, Sukkot time or whatever till, till this time over here in the winter, the tree is barren. So you can, it's, it's an extra few parking spots. It's interesting. I'm, a lot of times I come home from these classes late at night and I drive the car back. I don't have where to park. The one place in the block that there is parking is under the Buxer tree because I guess everybody learns the lesson that if you don't want to ruin your car, stay away from the Buxer tree. There actually used to be one right in front of my house and that one they cut down, the, the city cut it down. But the one a little, a couple of homes down is, um, has the, the Buxer. So today my wife said, uh, she went to the car, she was waiting for me and, and, then, and then later she said to me, hey, I looked up in the tree, I saw the Buxer is beginning to grow. In other words, be, be, be aware that the re-emergence of the boxer, don't put the car under there. Because I'm literally, I had a whole story once with a rental car. I, I, I don't, I, 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 whatever, they were repairing my car and they gave me a different rental car. It was a white, big SUV. It was a machaya. And for some reason, they were busy fixing my car for like six weeks. And I had this rental SUV. When I returned it, I had a, uh, I had a whole fight with the, with, the, with the thing because they wanted to charge me a lot of money or for the... Uh, for, for, for this, they, uh, it's a whole job to clean the car, to get off the sap. All right. Um, in any case, uh, this is just all. <laughs> What's the connection of Buxer to this shear? I don't know. Shimon Bayochai, he ate Buxer when he was in. Uh... But, anyways, back to the, to the mimer. The Esrog, the Buxer emerged in the tree now, but it's not there all the time. But the esrog is there all year long. And, and that indicates that the esrog is very, very, very unspoiled. Which means it's, it doesn't have an ego. It doesn't have an eye. Because if, you're a, if you have an ego, and a, a, a very pampered ego, then you're very into what you like. And then you're into what, what you prefer. Oh, I like it warm. I like it cold. I like this temperature. I can't stand when it's hot. I can't. The more into oneself a person is, the more they need things to be exactly. I need this kind of pillow, I need this kind of temperature, I need it like this, I need it like that. They, all fruit says, I'm not going onto the tree until you give me perfect temperature. I like the moisture, I like the this. They thrive at certain... The asteroid, whatever you give him, he's okay. 
That's when he's there all seasons, cold, hot. This, that represents the idea of bittel, surrender. And that's why the Esrog is Rosh Tevis. It's the antidote to arrogance. Why is he bringing all of this? Because he wants to show you even a beautiful mitzvah like Esrog, which has nothing to do with fighting Yetzirah, evil temptation. It's, it's, it's a wonderful, beautiful time of the year and you can, you can approach an Esrog purely from your godly soul and from your good side without even having any cross, uh, uh, crossover into the territory of the unholy. And yet he's saying, even Esro represents, at least in concept, and in spirit, it represents the idea of battling one of the darkest darknesses of the human being, and that's, and that's arrogance. So again, let's go back to the Esro Shuvah. It can tolerate all the changes which is through the year. Which this is indicative of the idea of bitl. When someone is very much aware of themselves and feel themselves very much, then they have, whenever you're, 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 you're a something, that somethingness has some kind of a shape and form. The idea for a person, for example, in the Hasidus it always talks about the importance of being flexible. Or like the concept of shivisi. Whenever God gives you, you're okay. You're always in a good mood. It's good, it's not good. Things are going well, yeah. Things are not going so well. Also, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. The flexibility, the ability to bounce around this way and that way comes from bittel. And then once you have a certain image and a certain state, then there's certain things you can't tolerate. From this that we see, the Esrog is able to tolerate all the opposites it shows that the esrog is the epitome of humility. It's in a state of not being, and that's why it doesn't have an opinion of how things need to be. Whatever you give it, it's fine. Now he's tracing the esrog in its root above. Esrog too is the Indian of Bittl. As stated in the Zayar, it speaks about the seven kings that reigned in the, in the land of Esau, in the end of Parshas Vayishlach. Then it says the king before them died, I don't know his name, and in his place, he ruled, he reigned in his place, someone by the name of Hadar. So the Zohar comments on the word Hadar, Hadar Vadai, this is Hadar, the Zohar connects the Esrog to the eighth king, Hadar. Which we know the eighth king is where Tikkun begins. Until then it's the world of Tohu and shattered vessels and so forth. And now the world of Tikkun begins. What's the difference between Tohu and Tikkun? The problem of the world of Tohu was ego. Each one of the kings was a king. He reigned. He said it has to be my way. My way or the highway. They didn't get along with each other. They clashed, and that's why there was Shvira Sakalim and all the problems. But Esrog is already Shaykh to the eighth one. He's related to number eight. Which is the root of Tikkun. The main power of the world of Tikkun is that things can get along with each other because their ego is diminished. Is the Bittl which leads to integration where you can be one with the other. Shazar, oh, and that's the connection to the boxer. Now I got it. Because Lag Ba'omer is Rav Shimon Ba'yochai Lag Ba'omer. And the number 33, I'm talking about it a lot in the other classes, 
is that three is the, is the number of tikkun. You see that the students of Rabbi Akiva did not get along with each other until Lagba Omer, which is the time of his skalalus and interaction. Right? So it makes sense. That's, that's the connection to the boxer. That's the difference between the world of Tohu and Tikkun. That in Tohu, the branches were separated. Where everything is integrated. That's why we find it between Yaakov and Esav. Esav comes from Tohu and Yaakov comes from Tikkun. Esav is full of himself. Yeshli Rav, I have a lot. And, and Yaakov is humble. And, and Yaakov says, Yeshli Kol. Kol means everything, which everything means integration. And the ability to integrate everything comes from a certain egolessness. And that's where things are not, things are compatible with each other. Because by Esav we find the Gam Esav only had six members in his family, at least at, and yet the Pasuk says nefashos, it says plural. When the verse says the, the family of Esav, it lists six family members and it says nefashot. Nefashot is in plural. That means everybody was an island for himself. Because essentially the world of Esav is a world of separation because it's a world of ego. Which isn't the case by Yaakov. After all Yeshivim, even though he had so much more, when it says Yaakov went down to Mitzrayim, they were 70, but they were the family of Yaakov. Which Yaakov's quality is the quality of Tikkun, which is Bittel and his Kalalos. It says it in the singular. Moving from this, from all this, you can see So here you see that the mitzvah of Esrog, as it applies to the person's soul, who in Yana Bittel is the idea of Bittel. So even though physically the Esrog might not be. Make, uh, uh, shaking an esrog on, 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 uh, on sukkis might not be involved too much subduing of unholiness in you. But if you're getting into the panemius of the esrog, you're getting into the, you, you, you want to engage the tohu elements of ego in you and you want to introduce the eighth dimension, which is the world of hadar, which is tikkun, which is uh, this. You want to bring in out to the enu regal gaiva. You want to be able to tolerate oh, whatever God throws your way because you're, you're eliminating ego or get along with everybody, even if it's, if it's you know, needing to bend sometimes and so on and so forth. That kind of, that, that's deep soul work fighting with the klipa, which the natural state of klipa is the opposite. It's self-importance and self-inflation. So that's where the, uh, the mitzvah of Esrog involves a, a iskafia sitra achra, a, a subduing of the other side. V'chein b'mitzvah tefillin. Tefillin is also, even though putting on tefillin might not be such a burden. Some people, yeah, some people have a struggle. They don't want to have time for tefillin. They don't want to put them. But for someone who's definitely... Uh, been brought up with it, and it's an unquestionable. If you're going to put on tefillin, it doesn't involve a fight. But the spiritual idea of tefillin, which is to subdue the mind and the heart and surrender it to God, that yeah, that that, that that's a fight. And tefillin is a very important mitzvah because all the Torah is connected to tefillin. The intention of the mitzvah tefillin is is to surrender one's heart and one's mind. More specifically, the words he's quoting, what it says in Tanya in chapter 41, to, to surrender and to include one's chachma and bina, that's in one godly soul. Into Hashem, in other words, to submerge 
one's our own chachmem bin, our power of wisdom and, and understanding, which means all of our brain power, to include it and, 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 and invest it in God's mind. That is enclosed in these two parshiyos, um, to, and to plug it into God's mind. And also to surrender and to include one's ability of das, which is the, the ability to know something and therefore to feel, which from, from das comes feeling. Which includes the two, opposite, the two powers of kindness and severity. Which is love and fear. To include it in the supernal das. That is included in Pasha Shema Tzitzis also involves, now to do that is, 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 is a lot of fighting because naturally sometimes we want to explore with our mind other things, not surrender and, and, and turn our mind to be devoted only to Hashem, especially our midos, our love and our fear to be exclusive to God. We have other interests, we want to explore other aspects in the world not necessarily related to holiness. And to do that involves a lot of battle. So even though the physical mitzvah tefillin is not necessarily so, so confrontational, but the, the spirit of it is very confrontational with the unholy. Also is the mitzvah of tzitzis. The whole intention of putting on tzitzis. You're wearing tzitzis, you're accepting upon yourself the yoke of God. Putting it on the four corners. That every element of your life should be surrounded with a sense of Hashem's kingship and obedience. This involves a lot of subduing. Because through accepting the yoke of heaven, that's how you fight the sitra achra. That's how you subdue it. Because the sitra achra, the other side, doesn't want us to have God's yoke on us. Because when we have God's yoke on us, we don't listen to him. By way of, of, of example below, now, once a servant is um, subservient to a certain master, so if someone else wants him to, uh, you know, to run an errand for him, he'll tell him, you know, I can't. I, I, I'm working for so and so. I don't have free time. But if he's walking around lazy, you know, sitting around and kibitzing. And then someone asks him to, you know, to run an errand for him. And if the guy's an important person or whatever, or he's afraid of him, or intimidated him, or whatever, he'll do it. But if he's got his master's yoke on him, I'm sorry. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. That's the idea. So when we're busy, because all day long we're serving God, then nothing else can get to us. Think about it. You know, all of our fights that we have, and which we sometimes succumb to, is because of, there's something essential lacking, which is the acceptance of the yoke of heaven. Or else we're simply not available. That this is a very important and fundamental idea in, in Hasidus. We have to bring ourselves to a state where we're not available to anything. So it's not like the chocolate isn't good. It's not like that the whatever temptation isn't good. It's not like, it's just I don't have time to do so. I'm so busy. I, I, have, I have work to do. God gave me such a workload that there's no time to do other stuff that are, that are outside of it. It's not like it's not nice. It's wonderful. I, I can imagine it being so fantastic and so pleasurable and so, so extremely enjoyable. All the stuff that the, the Yetzirah is suggesting, but we simply can't afford it. Why can't we afford it? Because we have the yoke of heaven. Because we're already surrendered to God. So you see from here that surrendering to God 
is already a fight. It's an iskafia. It's a it's it's a already a major blow to the unholy. and then more than that, that's by regarding tzitzis. The word tzitzis is from the word tzitz. which means comes from the word peeking. That Hashem is peeking through the cracks. which means in us it means to peek at God, to look at the glory of Hashem. And that also causes the sitra achra to be broken. Why? Which is when someone spends time working on looking, seeing the, the, the preciousness, the glory of the king. Ah, it's a beautiful way of, of, of fighting a battle. I have to say that. In other words, when you, if, you can, if we can kind of brush off the Eitzahara all the time, um, not by a bloody battle, but because we're so busy looking, gazing, doing tzitzis, which is gazing at the beauty of the king. When you're gazing at God's magnificence and beauty, you can't, God forbid, uh, you know, you're not available for the sitra achim. We see from this, so you see that in observance of Torah and mitzvah, there is an element of iskafia of subduing the unholy. And when you subdue the unholy, that's when God emerges, God's essence. As we're saying, the whole mimer, the Torah and mitzvah brings Hashem's essence into the world. And whether it's in the prohibitive commandments, which for sure a, a slam dunk to the sitra achim. In which one turns himself or herself away from things that their soul uh, desires the hang say whether in positive commandments through the individual intention that there is in every mitzvah like in the esrog regarding bittel and tefillin is by by directing Tashem all of our intellectual power and our das right which is the idea of subdu- surrendering to God our brain our mind, our understanding, vidas, hakoilu chesed gevur, and das that includes all of our love and all of our might. Kamoi kem in yemitzvah tzitzis, and the same as also in the mitzvah tzitzis, to accept upon the yoke of heaven, canal. V'zehu she Yisrael nikram, heichal avaya, and that's why you did not call the heichal for Hashem. Fana fishal v'idosam u bekim ha-mitzvah, she yesh bezeh eskafiyam, because to become a heichal for God, to become a home for God, to make a mishkan for Hashem, it's tafka through it. Breaking the sitra achra, like in the, like the theme of Basi Lagani, when you break the unholy, that's when, that's why the base of English was made out of atzei shitim. We're going to learn about next week in the parsha. Shitim wood is the service of shtus. You fight the unholy and you break it. That's how you make a base of English. So through the hour of Oda, we become a hechal to God because we subdue the sitra achra. So through the fulfillment of the positive commitments, which um, are connected to the lo- to the latter two letters in God's name, the vav and the hey. But they came it's just saying, then through fulfillment of the of the prohibitive commandments, which are connected to the former letters of the yud ke vav ke. nasem hechal. The yid becomes a complete faculty and a home. L'shem avaya for shem avaya. Okay. In a this is so far we learned three chapters, and the whole mimer has. Six chapters. So we got through half. Let's try to do a little subduing the Sitra Achra and let's try to go for another one. 
All of this is to draw down the name of Yud Kevavke. However, it says in the Pasuk, Lift up your hands to holiness, and bless Yud Kevavke. That means that it's not enough drawing of Hashem's name, the tetragrammaton, the Yud Kevavke, but we have to bless the Yud Kevavke, which means, blessing means to draw down. That means to elevate to draw down into Yudke Vavke something even more than Yudke Vavke. Wow. We need to draw down into Yudke Vavke. And what are, we, what are we drawing? We're drawing down where we lifted our hands. Where did we lift our hands? Kodesh. Lift your hands up to a level of Kodesh. And from there, Baruchu Savaya, bless Havaya. It's like when you bless someone, you put your hands on top of them. So a Jew is supposed to, imagine what the verse says. The verse is telling to the Jewish people, lift your hands up and bless Yudke Vavke. I mean, because you're lifting your hands to a level that's higher than Yudke Vavke. Which is even higher than the name of Avaya. In your Bazan, the idea is this is as follows. Even though Havaya is also holy. As we say, Kadesh, 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 Hashem Tzavakas. And there's a verse that also says, in Kadesh Kahavaya. There is nobody as holy as Havaya, Kadosh. Isa Bezoyer Kama Kadishininu. The Zohar says there are many things that are holy. Velav Kadishin Kavaya, but they're not as holy as Yud Kevavke. Ki Kama Kadishininu Nareza Ba'ofen Shem Kadoshim Umuvdalim. Because all things that are holy are in a manner when they're holy, meaning they're holy because they sit in a cave. That's why they're holy. They're holy because they're removed from everything. But Havaya, there's no one like holy like Havaya because the beauty of Havaya is that he can be everywhere and yet be removed and yet stay holy. He's unfazed, unscathed, and un, uh, remains in, uncontaminated even though he's everywhere and in everything. That's why he's the coolest uh, holy entity because he can be everywhere and yet remain un, un, unimpacted and un, uh, untainted. On the one hand, it brings into being. It brings the worlds into existence. And even though it's creating descriptive entities, it remains indescriptive, which is the idea of holiness. Even though he's involved. He's involved, but yet removed. No one as holy. So you see, Kaddish applies to Havaya. And not only that, no other... Holy like Havai. And yet we say, The answer is, I think, I'm guessing, but this is what it says in many places in Chassidus, is it is between Kadosh with above and Kodesh. Kodesh is without above. And that's the essence of holiness, which is higher than Kodesh, which is a flow of holiness. And any holy thing, you can't find such, such an element of holiness. But all of this is only the light of the sovev, which is called Kaddish. Even though sovev means it's the encompassing light. It surrounds the worlds. Even though it is above the worlds. But it still has somewhat of a connection to the worlds. Why? Because that's why we're calling it sovev. At least it has, it's called sovev. As we mentioned earlier, that Kadosh Bevav is that it's influenced with holiness. It's not within the context of world at all. 
Gam loy bebchena sovev. It's not even in a level of sovev. Vu inye kedusha sa'atzmos. And this is the holiness of the essence of God himself. Val zenema se'uyedeichem koidesh. Draw, lift up your hands, ubarcho es havaya, and draw havaya. In other words, draw that, ubarcho, not draw havaya, and bless havaya. Draw from the essence into havaya, because havaya is a name, and to draw from the essence of Hashem. So earlier he said through Torah and mitzvahs we draw down yudke vavke, and now he says there has to be even a deeper avoda on that, because you're making a home for God, and the home is a home for the essence, not for the name. The Indian who had the idea is the name Hashem, is bar le'el. This that we said earlier, she Yisrael Nikram Heichal Havaya, that Yidden are called the chamber of Havaya, That's not really what we mean, a home for God, because it's only the Sove, which is like the infinite projection of God, not a finite projection, but it's still a projection. And from this level, Chazal say, from our engagement in Yudke Vavke, which is awesome, but yet still... On this, the sages say, "Asidim tzadikim that a day will come when Mashiach comes, that in front of the righteous people, people will say before them, Kadosh, 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 Havaya Tzavago. Say Kodesh to the to the to the tzadikim. But what will they say? Kadosh, not Kodesh. How can you say on the tzadikim Kadosh? Because they became one with God's holiness, because they Hechal Hashem they brought Havaya. Havaya is Kodesh. I'm sorry, Kodesh. And when you become one with Havaya and you bring it into every aspect of your being, it says actually also that the tzaddikim are going to be called in the name of God. They're going to be called Havaya. So that's why they're going to be Kodesh. The Malachim are going to say Kodesh to the tzaddikim. But this is not enough. This is not, this does not suffice. Since the lights of Soviv has episode connection on its own to the world, so it's possible that certain actions and activities and blemishes could cause a block that the, this light should be prevented from manifesting in the world. Since from the very beginning this light has somewhat of a a a, a um, comparison somewhat to the world, even if it's a gazillion levels higher, but it has somewhat of a, 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 a relationship to it, that means that worlds could, could impact it. And therefore, the really dark stuff that happened in the world can block it. And even though it's not like a neshama that is impacted by the occurrences of the body, we're saying that Hashem is Kaddish. Kaddish means remove. So he can be engaged and involved and yet be not impacted. And now we're saying that what? That the sins could cause some kind of a defect. But hold it. It's not like a... See, the soul, when the soul goes into the body, it says that the wear and tear of life, the scars of life, scar the soul as well. How do you see that? The fact that the soul has to go through a therapy session when it leaves this world. And that is in, in Gan Eden, and so, I'm sorry, in, in Gehenna, in the afterlife. The soul has to go through therapy, which is the idea of all the, all the uh, not such pleasant experiences that the soul goes through after it departs from this world in order for it to, for it to rehabilitate is a sign that the wear and tear of life takes, takes, takes a toll on the soul. Um, but God, even though he enlivens the world and is embedded in the world like a soul in a body, 
does not take, does not get scratched by it. And yet, but here on the other hand, we're saying that what? That the pagam, the sins, could impact. So he's he's kind of explaining what yeah and what no. Um, the neshama becomes impacted by the occurrence of the body. This does not contradict what we said earlier. Through the sins, it prevents the lights of the sovev from manifesting. Because by the neshama, where the neshama really is impacted by the occurrences of the body. When there is some kind of a damage in the limbs of the body, the soul has to depart completely from the body. In other words, when there's an injury in the limb of the body, that 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 limb becomes lifeless. Some the neshama goes away from it. Which isn't the case above. Even if there's sins which means a blemish, the light doesn't go away, doesn't depart. Because if the, the light, the energy would depart, there would be no more creation. So that doesn't happen. Even if the light doesn't go away completely, it can make that the lights that remain are there, but remain um, concealed and blocked. That, yeah, there could be a block on it. Meaning block, meaning that it's not felt. So it would mean something like that. Let's translate into mitzvahs. When we're doing mitzvahs, we're drawing yud kei vav kei down. By the time that you know a person has been living their life and they have thousands of mitzvahs and so much Torah that they learn, we should kind of, kind of be, be, begin to see some pretty awesome stuff in this human being. It should really be a spiritual powerhouse. The fact that Sometimes it's not noticeable, and we all know ourselves that, you know, we feel pretty much like yesterday, even though we've done mitzvahs today and so forth. And even after 10 years, we can kind of feel kind of much, pretty much the same. I mean, obviously, sometimes we don't, because we're, we, don't, we, don't, we don't notice our growth. And I'm sure there is growth. There's a lot of growth. But the fact, and that's because the unholy stuff that we do, the not such good things, prevent that light from revealing itself. It's there. Each and every one of us is so rich with godliness, but it's just not, it's not, we're not conscious of it. And that's because of the, you know, <laughs> excessive potato chips. Uh, and all of this is in the light of the, of the sovev. But in the very essence of God that transcends even the sovev kalalman, on that, it's not possible for him to be influenced by anything. It can't be if we do things that are not so good. It can't create even a, even, even a concealment at all. Since he is completely above the world. And therefore on that level you say all your goodness does not give him anything. And the many sins do not, will not harm him. He's not poked by the sin in any way. And therefore, even if Chas the same human being that does all these mitzvahs, that he's drawing atzmos down, um, does sometimes things that you shouldn't do, which we all know is true about ourselves. We, we try to do good, and we do a lot of good. We do awesome things, but then from time to time, we slip up, we mess up. 
I heard this week from Ramendel Futafas, one of the great Hasidim, he quoted from the Mittler Rebbe, from the, the simple Hasidim at the Mittler Rebbe, they, 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 they would say, they didn't understand the Hasidis, but this was their saying. They would say, Ich geb emma klap, and er get mira klap. Amol geb emma klap, amol geb, I'm not exactly the Lushan, something like that. Sometimes I give him a, I suck him, I give him a zet, which is referring to the animal soul and the, the, and the Yetzahara. Sometimes he gives me. But what do we pray? What are we davening? As the letzter clap soll sein meine. That the last blow should be mine. And that's life. It's a struggle. So we know we have it. So here's the thing. If in our mitzvahs we're only manifesting kodosh, not kodesh, sovev, not atzmos, the encompassing light, not the essence, then the avera, the negative, can at least block the, the mitzvah. But if when we're doing mitzvahs, we're going so deep and we're manifesting the, the essence, then even sins do not hamper with it. And the godliness will, or the, or the holiness will be visible, even if there is opposite, opposite elements. It's interesting, it doesn't say that there won't be any opposite things. You're still a human and struggling in this world. But it won't block, it won't even be concealed. Um, and that's why it says lift your hands up to Kodesh you need to do that and in Havaya bring down that which is above Havaya which is the essence and when you do that that's causing the Shekhinah to dwell here uninterrupted and be revealed there uninterrupted even if Tul Mashiach comes there are stuff that are going on in the world and maybe even in ourselves that are sometimes anti shechina yet it will not destroy it. Because we need to draw down the essence of God. Even if there will be something in a person's life which will cause a helen, a concealment on the light of the sovev, on the, on the light of the sovev kalam, in your neshama, but the essence will still be revealed. Which I think means a very deep and very powerful idea. And that is if we are living our Yiddishkeit from our essence. So even though, and so what does it mean to be sovev and essence? Sovev is, 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 is considered keser, ratzon, desire. You know, if we, if we learn Torah and we do mitzvahs, and we're drawing God into us, we should be burning with, des- with a holy desire all day long. And as we all know, the truth is that we don't always feel that holy desire. Not only always, most of the time we don't feel it. This infinite desire to be godly and holy. A- in a way of a passion, fervor, fire, drive. We get lazy, we get tired, we get distracted. And what happened with this great... Because that gets extinguished. But something deeper than that is, and that is the fact that we're essentially a Jew. And when, when, when there's a matter of Judaism, it, 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 it touches us in, a, in essence that even if you have wave and wave and wave of darkness, it doesn't take that away. If your Yiddishkeit is coming because of your essence, that withstands every block. It's a, I don't remember seeing this in Hasidus. I mean, it's, yeah, I guess it's related to the idea that you say that, that every level of the neshama has an opposing force. But Yechida doesn't have a, a counter. This is Yechida Shebenefesh, your essence. And that's what's so unique about our generation, I think. The Rebbe, the seventh generation, who's Emes, seventh is Emes, and he's like Moshe Rabbeinu, who brings the essence 
the earlier Rabbeim and Hasidus stimulated the, all the parts of the soul. They, the, the Rebbe's in the Memar, they, they, they provoked, they stimulated the, the lights of the Nisham. And, and in order for that to shine, you had to be very sublime, refined Hasidim. Those that were refined were like Hasidim on a whole different level, and those that were not, however, uh, didn't have that refinement, didn't have that kind of an illumination. The Rebbe brought essence, and the, his whole, the, whole, the whole power of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's essence. That's why you can grab a Jew, not try, are you a Jew, a mitzvah, that's everything essence. And that's why you see in, in Hasidim and in, in us as, as we're not the most refined, elevated, and known to have all these, all these lights that the previous generations had. But notwithstanding the fact that like there used to be all the Hasidim, the mere thought of eating ice cream was so, a, was so, was so objectionable they, 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 to them. Why? Because it's coarse, it's, it's physical, it's material. Which chassid today doesn't need an ice cream? <laughs> I mean, there are, I'm sure there are a few from time to time. And yet, powerful chassidim that are turning over the world. Essence is not, is not hindered so much by, again, I'm not giving a heter now to go and indulge and do chass and everything and not worry because you got your essence. What, what I'm just saying is there's a certain, uh, there's a certain, tr a certain, uh, quality that we find dafka in our generation because it's the avoda from essence in that it's durable it doesn't get extinguished essence remains essence so you watch chassidim you, watch, you know people struggle with very dark stuff in their lives and yet they're doing crazy things in this world Yes, I mean, it's the first time I'm seeing it in this mimer. It's such, a, it's such, a, it's such an illumination. Um, atmos will remain Even though the atmos has always been there. I am filling. It's concealed. Through our avod of lifting up our hands to holiness. We draw it down that it should be revealed. And what I mean revealed, even though you can't grasp him like a child can't grasp the father, but the father is still revealed to the child. Through avoda we can bring the giloy. Even though it's not grasped. Just like the hamshacha that's through mitzvahs. The light is revealed. Even though you can't grasp it. Because um, the neshama is enclosed in in the in the physical world, and the chumrius of the body, the, the 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 corporality of the body, the 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 the, the physical element, because even the way the neshama is enclosed in the body, the lights of mitzvahs are are, are shining. So here's an interesting thing. We find that when you're doing a mitzvah, if you do it, and even someone who hasn't done mitzvahs, Adarabah, you meet a Jew, you put him on tefillin, you see that the Jew is like, he's, he's alive. Something is going on. He feels something. His neshama is, is stirred. You see, so many times you meet a Jew, never put on tefillin all his life. That means he's been completely detached from God, and godliness is communicating with him. But, 
even though there's no physical change, there's no physical sensation, the, 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 dense, the soul is connecting. So you see from here, that even if you're not margish, it doesn't mean it's not revealed. God is being revealed to this person when he's putting tefillin, even though he's not margish, he's not feeling physically that energy flow. It's really powerful currents that are now flowing. If he would feel it, then we would be like electrocuted by it. Even if you're not sensing it, that is a begil, it's still revealed. That's why to say that it's revealed is because when you see even everything, even if someone is not like so aware, but if you watch someone, if someone is walking in with tefillin, you're supposed to stand up. Because you're, someone is doing a mitzvah, you're supposed to stand up for them. Now, because, because in a mitzvah, God is present. But hold it, it's concealed. The guy's not feeling. The answer is, even if you're not feeling, it's still revealed. Even if the person is a, is, a, is, a, is a boorish person or an ignoramus. If it would be concealed, then why do you have to stand up? It's not, it's standing up is for someone who's there openly. We find also Shabbos, is, it's forbidden to do work because Shabbos, the holiness of Shabbos is godliness and you're not allowed to do work in front of Hashem. So what do we find? That, that if a person who's an ignorant person, a boorish person, a coarse human being, is also not allowed to do work on Shabbos, even if he doesn't feel anything. It's because Shabbos is revealed in this human being. It's Shabbos by this person, even if he doesn't feel it. The six days of the week you're allowed to do work. And, and, and Shabbos illustrates this because the reason you're not allowed to do work on Shabbos is because God is present. But hold it, in the middle of the week, God is also present. And the rule is that if you're doing any work in front of a, front of a king, you're punishable by death. If a king is there and you're busy uh, you know, mowing your lawn when the king is standing in front of your house, you, you stand to attention, you salute the king, you bow down to the king, what are you doing? So how can you mow the lawn when God is there? The answer is, Hashem is concealed. When the king is concealed, you can go about your business. On Shabbos, the king is revealed. But hold it, this guy doesn't feel anything. So you see that even if without feeling, it's still called revelation. The weekdays, it's not called in front of the king. Because of the revelation, even if you're not grasping it, it's still in front of the king. So again, so what is this all saying? It's all saying that through through lifting ourselves to Kodesh, which is getting to the very essence, to Hashem, to Atzmus Mamish, then we're drawing Hashem down. And even if it's not, again, even if he's not, even if he's not sensed, but he's still revealed. But how do you draw Atzmus into your mitzvahs? Even higher than Yud Kei like we spoke earlier, how do you draw Hashem's very essence? For that, you have to lift your hands up. This is the idea of lifting the hands. The idea is the hands, which are two hands. These are the two psukim by Shema. Two hands. So in the beginning of, of davening, or the beginning of the day, you say Shema and Baruch Shem, you lift your consciousness up. And you lift up higher than Yudke Vavke. 
to Kodesh, and from there, Ubarchu as Hashem. The Shema Yisrael is Yehudi Allah. Shema Yisrael is the higher unity. Ubarch Shem is Yehudi Tata, and Barch Shem is considered the lower unity. Finally, Shabbat Shema Yisrael is Bainu Nusu Be'inyan Bittel Oilam Es Echshem Betelam Lo Eden Seif Shekadosh Shemuvdalon. Shema Yisrael, one is doing a higher level of 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 contemplation. How all the worlds are completely surrendered to Hashem. And that creates within the person a powerful rutzo, a desire for to get out of himself. And when you're saying it's a lower form of meditation. You're contemplating how the three names of God, uh, three levels of kingship, shame, kavod, malchuso, is God's manifesting in the three worlds, bria, yetzira, siya. In other words, far closer to creation. God is the creator of the creation. He's the ruler of the creation. Yesh ezetvisa makam la'olamois. On this level, you're giving the world more, 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 more room to exist. Shemetzad zehu which causes the opposite of Shema Yisrael. Since the world's there, God is engaged in the worlds, creating the worlds, so you don't have to run away from the world. When you're hearing that God is above it all, infinitely higher, and that creates within the person this, this, this desire to, 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 to free oneself from the constrictions of worlds. So that's a counterbalance to the Shema Yisrael. You realize that God wants to be a king, which means God wants to settle into this world, so you can't escape it. You've got to deal with it. Uh, to be in the world, and, 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 and to, to cause the person to have an impact on the world, to affect the world, to be, that it should show God's kingship by refining it, elevating it. These are the two hands. The right hand and the left hand. The higher unity of Shema Yisrael is considered the right hand. It's like a person uh, hugging or embracing his friend with his right hand. When you, when you embrace someone with your right hand, like the Pasuk says, you become completely absorbed in that person. You become completely encircled. He can't even go anywhere. He's holding you. That's the concept is we become absorbed in God. We can't even leave Him. We're so like suddenly lost. That's Rutzo, as he said earlier. We, we, we race into Him and there's nothing sticking out of us. We're just in Him. The same as in the spiritual avod of the higher unity. The light becomes so intense. Do you be race and you become like hugged by God, embraced? You're in Him. You don't even have an existence outside. You get you get transfixed. You can't even go anywhere. You get locked in the embrace. Now I can imagine that you get stuck in Shema Yisrael and you stay there for a couple of hours. When was the last time that happened to you? Shei Shema Yisrael, we got lost. I wish, you know, we learn these in Yanim, Hashem should help that one day we should feel these things. So you say Shema Yisrael and you get lost. But then you have to transition into the lower unity. Is the left side. Which the left side pushes away. Which means pushes us away. Counters the right hand. If we're hugged, then he says, okay, it's time for you to go. Get back into the world. This is the idea of contractions where God... Uh, you know, limits his light. Which helps us go back down into the world canal. When we are focused with this deep meditative type of service based on Shema and Baruch Shem Kavod Machus so this is, we lift our hands up to Hashem. Then, in other words, a Jew can do Torah and mitzvahs 
without the Shema, and without, I mean, of course you have to say Shema, but without the deep service of Ratzay and Shuv. And then you just, you know, going about doing Torah. That too is Havaya. But that's how, because since it's after Matan Torah, it's Havaya. It's very powerful. It's Sovav Kalaman, but it's not the essence. To get to the essence, you need to have that Ratzay and Shuv, Su'u Yedeichem, Kodesh, to the level of Kodesh, which is higher than Kodosh. And from there, through that, you draw down the, the holiness of Etzim. Which is Kodesh, which is higher than Kodesh. We draw down Avaya. And that later translates into the rest of the world. Wow. So there's not too much left, but my problem is that, um, yeah, let's do further. Okay, it's going to wait a little longer. I had a janitor who came here to clean before, and I told him that um, it's going to take me two hours to teach. He says he's going to wait two hours. He probably fell asleep in the car, so we'll give him an extra hour to sleep, and let's finish. Uh, even though I'm so tired, but we got to finish. And we'll also understand what it says in the Gemara. Zeh should come. It's referring to Moshe, who's called Zeh. Kizeh ish Moshe. The Yekabel Zos, and he should receive Zos. Zos is Vezos HaTorah. He should receive the Torah. Mi Zeh from Hashem, because we say by Hashem, Zeh Keli Vanveyu. La'am Zu to the Jewish people that are called Zu. Am Zu Yatsar Tot, says in the, uh, we say Taf Torah Vayikra. This people you created. Yavai Zeh Zeh Moshe, Dechsev Zeh Moshe Ish. The Yekabel Zos, Zu Torah, Dechsev Zos HaTorah, Shesam Moshe. To the Jewish people, all the zoo together. What is the Gemara? What is the what is this? A Gemara? It's a Gemara. Sixty-six Menachas. So you see from here that what was the Gemara playing semantics over here? Something very deep. Regarding it says in Medrash as follows. There's a verse in Shir Hashim which says, I'm dark but I'm, and I'm beautiful. When am I beautiful? When we said, <coughs> that made us, an, made us beautiful. We need to understand, we need to understand as follows. How is it possible that a creation can beautify God. Va'an ve'yu means I will beautify him. And here's the thing. And this is so connected to the creation, to us, that we are beautified with that beauty that we beautified him. Because again, first we say va'an ve'yu, we make him beautiful. But as a result of that, I'm dark, that I become beautiful in his beauty. The identification of the beauty which we identify so much. The Indian who the idea is. Come and see how great. This part of the mimer, I guess, he's going to explain the idea of the splitting of the sea, the shvil, the pathway in the sea, and how that relates to when Moshe came to take the Torah, there was a shvil, there was a Pathway in the cloud. That's the connection. So, Moshe Rabbeinu, the master of all the prophets, 
Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, how much was he, was he wrestling? How much was he working and begging God, show me your face? And yet, uh, it wasn't so simple. Hashem told me, you can see my back. But by the Yamsuf, it says, everybody saw everything. They pointed with their finger. You can't see my face. You'll only see my back. By the splitting of the sea, everybody, even a maidservant, even, a, even a, a little infant, and even a nursing baby, was able to show with their finger. So the, the, the revelation of God by, by the Kriyas Yamsav was spectacular. So this idea that by Kriyas Yamsav there was incredible revelations, even though no one can see me and live. So how were they able to experience it there? That was two reasons. Wow. Because he took that leap, he jumped into the sea, that Mesiris Nefesh of Nachshem ben Aminodah, that's what brought for all the Jewish people such an experience of godliness that they can live, even though no one can see God and live, they did, and in a sense, even higher than Moshe Rabbeinu on his own. Wow. And that's because of one person that he, Mesiris Nefesh. She Mesiris Nefesh to Paul, Yisrael. This affected all the Jewish people. This is our God and we'll beautify and the second reason, this that it says that a person cannot see me and live, and the sages say that even the angels, angelic beings, that carry the throne, they don't see, where can't we see God in the revealed world? We can't see Hashem. But when they went into the sea, they went into the concealed world. The sea represents the concealed world, and over there you could see. But at the very, very deep, deep, deep levels called the concealed worlds over there, they could see. Conceal, the, the, in Kabbalah it says, it's concealed worlds and revealed worlds. Now, when we, so the, it's relative, it's spoken on many levels. Sometimes we say the revealed world is only the physical. The concealed world is all levels of spirituality is considered the concealed world because it's concealed from us. But in a more general state, it says that all three lower worlds, Bria, Yatsir, and Asiya, is all part of the revealed world. And the concealed world is Atsilus. So there, where the highest Sakodesh are, where the Malachim, they're in uh, uh, Bria over there, yeah, they can't see. But beyond that, you could see. And since by Kriyas Yamsov, we went into the sea, we went into the concealed world over there, See, is, uh, we can uh, uh, play with the word, see, right? It's to see. Finally, the Alma this Gal, you add oil Bria to the world of Bria. The Kimisha Bria love, Iovichiovichamiochad, since in creation he is not one with his, eminent, with his uh, garments, he's not one with his energy forces. It's only in Atsilos where God is completely one with that world. So when, that means that there is an essential separateness, and if there's separateness, there is limitation. There is true finitude. And then the finite can't experience the infinite. That's where they can't see. But in the concealed world. Which is already in the world of emanation. A world that's one with God. Over there he and his life forces and his garments, which are the vessels, are all totally one. And over there in Atzilus you can see. 
And since by Kriyas Yamsuf Hashem converted Atzilos, the sea, to dry land, there was a revelation of the concealed worlds. In other words, in, in, in the regular system, unless you're in Atzilos, you can't see. Lower than that. That's why. But by Kriyas Yamsuf, there was a whole shinoi, a whole change, that the concealed worlds be, mm, revealed themselves in the revealed worlds. So in a sense, we tapped the range of Atzilos, even while we were physically in the physical bodies in this world. And that's why they were able to see, because the rules were changed. We were going by the rules of Atzilus. And Atzilus, you can see. And not, you didn't have to be a tzaddik. And a gam shifcha, a maidservant. The gam oil of little children. They can point with the finger and say, this is our God. Even though Moshe Rabbeinu, who's not just a navi, he's the teacher of all the prophets, tried to get to that vision and he couldn't. Because of these two reasons. One was Mesiris Nefshin of Nachshin. And the other one was because the rules were changed at that time. Kriyas Yamsov was even greater than the, than the level that Moshe Rabbeinu generally was able to attain. Obviously Moshe Rabbeinu was also part of that revelation. He led the Jewish people into the sea. But Moshe on his own in the regular system was not able to go so high. Even though Moshe Rabbeinu had a very clear vision of the divine, he said, As the sages say that all prophets, their general prophecy was only with ko. Moshe Rabbeinu was, ko means something like, because they didn't have such a clear vision. Moshe Rabbeinu said, However, there was some limitation. Even though it was from Atzilus, which Atzilus generally is a world of vision, as we spoke earlier, perfectly one with God. So Moshe is in Atzilus, why can't he see? God says, you can't see me. The answer is because Moshe Rabbeinu's Atzilus experience came through a, it had to pass through the world of Bria. He couldn't experience it in Atzilus. He experienced it in Bria, a, a, a transmission from Atzilus. So it wasn't pure Atzilus, untainted. Moshe Rabbeinu's Navua, it originates in Bina. And Bina is already the source for Bria. Chachma is the dominating energy in Atzilus. I know I'm learning a little fast over here, these concepts that I'm not explaining so well, but those who have learned Hasidus in earlier classes should be able to follow. So I'm going a little faster. The Yedua is known Sha'abi Allah Makana Nab Atzilus. Abba Chachma is dwells in Atzilus. The Aimi Allah and Mother, which is um, Bina, Makana Nab she dwells or nests in her throne, which is Bria. So Moshe Rabbeinu, since his Navu is from Bria, so his Navu is Shaykh to the world of Bria, and therefore it's considered the revealed worlds. And if it's considered the revealed worlds, it's not really Zah, it's, it's limited, and he couldn't see. His Navua was from the world of Bria. It was from the Atsilus element of Bria. Like Ramosha Zakusi says, the Ramaz, from the inner dimension of the world of Bria, which is the lights of Atsilus that are shining in Bria was the revelation of, literally of Atzilus. Not through path, passing through a Bria. And therefore, by Kriyas Yamsov, everybody can see. 
Now, Kriyas Yamsev was a preview to Matan Torah. The Gam Matan Torah in Yengilu Yatzilas. Because Matan Torah was also the revel- the time of the giving of the Torah was also a revelation of Atzilus. It was from the lights of Atzilus that was revealed to the Jewish people. And even higher, Ada Atzmus, until God's very, very self. Also because of the two reasons. Same two reasons. The one reason, one is Mesiris Nefesh, and the other was because of it being. A, a uh, it, it was taking pl- it was all in alma discasio. Let's see why. Because my matan Torah was the the ah uh, list is missing a little bit. It was also because of the first reason, and it says chaser. It's missing. I guess it's because then there was Masiris nefesh. I guess maybe nasev and ishma. I'm not exactly sure what the Masiris nefesh that he means. It doesn't say, so it's missing. When they wrote down the mimer, it says over here, chaser, there was something missing, a couple of words. Tama Beis, is Matan Torah was also similar to Kriyas Yamsuf, that the concealed world revealed itself in the revealed world. Because the holding in of Matan Torah is the, 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 the fusion of the up and the low. So the rules are now not rigid. We're not playing by the rules of the revealed world. And because of the, 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 the system of the concealed world, everything could be revealed. And that's why Torah is called Zos. It's the same like by Kriyas Yamsuf. Whenever you're saying Zeh, Zeh means the essence. So you see, you see it to the very end. So Zekeli van Veyo, because the essential, the essential, um, the, 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 the essence of the was revealed. They said Zekeli van Veyo. Torah is called Zos, because Zos Torah, because again, it's coming from the essence. Shalom and it's higher than Moshe Rabbeinu Zeh. Moshe Rabbeinu also says Zeh, ki Zeh ish Moshe, but it's higher than his general level of Nevuah. Bebchena Zeh de Nevuah Moshe, shu bebchena Zatzilu shebebriya bovah. Moshe Rabbeinu's nevuah associated with Zeh is in Atzilus, but it's Atzilus of Bria, not Atzilus of Atzilus. On the Masha Atoyre Nikra Zois, this Atoyre is called Zois, who Giloy Atzilus Mamish. It's the revelation of literally of Atzilus. V'zeu Masha Kosev Yovoi Zeh, let Moshe come, which is Zeh, V'yekabel Zois, he should receive Zos. That means it's in addition to Moshe. Moshe is getting something more than what he has on his own. Moshe is lower in level than Torah, and he's receiving from Torah. Even though the Armei Marim where it explains that the Shorish of Moshe Rabbeinu's Nesham is way above the Torah. That's why he says uh, that they put him out of the water, and he says, Misam peh, am kvad peh, v'kvad lashen. It's interesting. Here in the Maimar is putting Moshe Rabbeinu's Navu in a lower level. And there it says, maybe it's a difference between the Shoresh Nishmas Moshe and Moshe Rabbeinu's Navu. That could be different. I'm not sure. The level of Moshe was not the revelation of Atzilus Mamish. Which is in the case of Torah, which is the revelation of literally of Atzilus. The Zeus of Torah from the Zeh of HaKadosh Baruch. Through Torah we get we get Hakadosh Baruch Hu literally, which is all the lights ad atzmos mamish to the very essence of Hashem. Umasha Torah shehi lamaylo madreges Moshe nikra zois b'loshen nukva. 
If so, if Moshe's Nevuah, which is a lower level, is called Zeh, so why is Torah, which is higher, called Zos, which Zos is feminine Zeh? Feminine is usually lower, it's, it's a recipient. That's not because of the essence of Torah. That's because the Torah enclothes itself in all physical things. In that sense, that's what makes it Zos. The Indian of Torah is that through Torah, all the Oiris al Ada Atzmos, to the very essence of God, they all drawn down Lamatamamish. They come down literally into this world. That's why it's called Zos in feminine terms. Because it's bringing everything down into this world, which is the Keli that receives from Hashem's very self. So the Zos element is that it's bringing it into the world, down here into the Keli. To the revelation of Hashem Himself. And this is why the Jewish people are called Nava. We said earlier, because therefore Venava, they're beautiful. It says in Ramaz, that the word is the Gematria of 12. Who in in Yudbeis Oisio is Tashem Havaya Gimel Pa'amin. What is the Yudbeis? Three times Yudke Vavke. Yudke Vavke is four letters, three times is twelve. Gimel Havaya Shebebirchus Kahanim. By the way, it's associated with Purim. Because Purim, we said, we, um, I spoke about this a little bit in the, is three times Elohim and three times Havaya. Why three times Havaya? Because there's three times Havaya in Birchus Kahanim. Three times Havaya. The Nebuchadnezzar's Kana. Vegam Yud Beis Oisi is the shame Adna. And the name Aleph Dalad Nun Yud is also four. Three times Gimel Pamim. Shazel Mashakas of Gimel Pamim Hechal Havaya. They are a chamber for Havaya. Havaya. And Hechal is associated with, I think, with the Adna. Adna, Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, is a chamber for Havaya. The That's what he says openly in the Maimer. We say to God, Zekeli, which Zeh, what's our Avoida? To become Hechal Avaya, that we become a Hechal, we become a chamber. And we make a dwelling, we allow God to dwell in us and through us in the world. Is drawing the essence of God, Mamish, which is even higher than Zekeli, because Zekeli is 12. See, Zekeli, Zeh, which is. 12, Kaili, our God. That's the godliness of three times Havaya and three times Adna. But as we said earlier, even Havaya, you need to draw into Havaya. Uborchu es Havaya. Who do you draw? Kodesh himself. And that's the meaning of Va'anveyu, we will beautify him because our Avoda actually enhances the name Havaya because we draw down from the essence. We make the Kaili, because Kaili is not the essence, 
we elevate the, the keli by drawing havaya in, by drawing, by drawing um, the essence into it. Because we beautify him, we too are identified with that beauty. Dira. Nava is, doesn't mean just beauty. The, nava is, also means a dira. Like we say, Neve Shanon. The base of English is called Neve. Neve is a, is, a, is a dira. Because we become a dira to the Abishter. So the Nava. This idea of Zekeli Vanvehu is now. However, when Mashiach comes, it says, meaning, because this happened by, by Kriyas Yamsov, which was an introduction to Matan Torah, which by Matan Torah we said, Zekeli. But in the future it says, they will say on that day, we'll say two times that. Now the revelation is only one time that. But in the future, the Giloy of Zekeli Vanveyu is in Teferes of the Eranpin. Is in Teferes of the innermost of Kesem. Which is Eranpin, is an Atsilus. This is infinitely higher. Why, how will we get from the uh, Teferis of Zair Anpin to the Teferis of Keser, of, of Atik Yomen? And that is through Dafka, because when we're doing the work now with the powers of Zed that we got by Matan Torah, we're correcting the unholy Zed. You see, there's a Zed over there as well. Or Haman Hara Hazeh. Esther says, Haman Hara Hazeh, this Haman. In Pogobach Manuval Zeh, the sages say, if this Manuval, this, this clip the Yetzahara encounters you, so you see that there is a word Zeh associated with the other side. The Sitra Achra is also called Zeh. Maybe because he's so visible constantly in front of us, he's constantly everywhere, and that's why. As you see the Z, the, the one opposite the other God made. Through fixing this, this Z, we go much higher and we bring the Atik. As we said earlier, the, the highest level. When it says Hashem saw everything He made was good, Mo'oid through fix and it says the word Zeh over there as well through fixing the Sitra Achra who's the angel of death we go to not just Tov but Tov Mo'od to, regular Tov is Tov of, uh, of Teferes of the Eranpin Tov Mo'od is Teferes of Atik which is which this beer is done through the Torah, as the sages say, if the menuvel, the Yetzirah, tries to in, 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 seduce you, entice you, says pull him to the Beis HaMedrash, you'll fix him up in the Beis HaMedrash. The Kimish HaTorah will kill upon him, since the Torah is no back, it's only face. As it says at the, on the Luchos, every side you looked at it was face, there was no back. The, the, the other side can't 
They belong to the backside. And since in Torah there's no back, they have no entrance into the Torah. So therefore, if you, if you, if you, it's your friend. You're afraid if you bring the Yitzhahara, if you pull the Yitzhahara into the base of Medrash, he'll corrupt the Torah. The Torah is incorruptible. The Torah pushes away the Sitra. This shove, this brings the Zeh of Atik Yoimim. Because of Zeh Havaya Kivinu, Kivinu Meloshin Kavim. I know Shamshachu, I day a gimel kavim. That means kivino means we, we, we've hoped for him, but kivino also means kav, which are his channels. The three channels of Torah, Avodah, Gemilas, Chasadim, which represents the general Avodah in which we do today's days in this world, in which we battle the Sitra Achra and convert the Sitra Achra. Zashem kivinu. This is bringing us to this second Zeh in which we brought him down into the world. We draw everything down. Now it's still concealed. When Mashiach comes, we reveal them, we'll point with the finger. Oh, okay, now we're learning the last paragraph. Paragraph. Moshe came into the cloud. Since by Matan Torah, God was giving us his very essence, the Giloy of Atzmos, there needed to be a garment that we should be able to receive. In order to be able to receive the Torah that's called Zos, which as we said before, it's Zeh, but Zeh being drawn into the world. In the Zeus of Torah is Malubish the Zeh, which Zeh, both Zehs. Zeh and the. And for that he needed a Onan. He needed a cloud. The cloud that was like a smoke. Ah, similar to a, a metaphor. When you're going to learn something very deep that's higher than your entire grasp, you have to give a metaphor. Through the metaphor you can grasp it. Since we're dealing with, some, with, with such something, something, we're dealing with what is m- the most removed, so even Moshe needed a garment. Which is like a garment, which is a mashal. Through this garment, it could be the amshach of atzmos. But when Moshe went up into the cloud, it was in a manner of ascent. The intention is not the ascent upward, like Moshe is going up the mountain to be up there, but drawing God down here. That's why Hashem made him a path. The ascent itself is to go in the cloud, to go into this garment. But in order to be able to draw it down, for that there needed to be a pathway. Why? What's the relationship? I'm not sure yet. Just like it was at the Kriyas Yamsuf. The Jewish people came into the sea. They were submerged in the sea. The intention is, it's not that they should get lost in this concealed world. They should become fish. The point over here is that this should illuminate out into their bodies and into the physical world. That's why Hashem converted the sea to dry land. To draw the concealed into the revealed, that was through a shavil. That means, a, meaning like this, 
If it was only that they're going into the deep water, Hashem could have taken them in scuba diving. They're actually swimming in the water. They're in the water. But the point of it is they should be on dry land. They should be boots on the ground, feet touching the earth. And yet, on dry land, they should have this aquarium experience of the revelation of the ocean. Oh, they saw all the, all the uh, amazing, uh, um, what are they called? The, 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 the corals and all that spectacular, but it was all weird. And obviously that reflected the spiritual, godliest, highest things while they're on dry land. And that's why that, for that there had to be a shavil. So the same is by Moshe. When Moshe is receiving the Torah as well, the shavil is for it to be able to be drawn down. The shvil is the path. Also in the revealed world. There is a path through which the Torah comes down. It's the path for Torah to come into the world. Through Torah mitzvah becomes the revelation of atzmus down here. And that's the path. But now it's not revealed. It's going to be revealed when Mashiach comes. Now it's when it's being drawn down, but not revealed. That will be revealed. The glory of God, and everybody will see that God spoke, which means going to be revealed completely down here when Mashiach comes. Okay, I think we can relearn this another three times. But uh, a little vague, we got something. All right, everyone, Yashukayach for joining. May we merit that uh, we should see it all.